Hey folks, welcome to the Music of the Spheres podcast. We are broadcasting tonight from somewhere deep in the hills of upstate New York. Wherever, whenever, and however you're listening, we thank you for being a part of our universe. We are two brothers, and now you're ringing the singing bowl? Yes. But I'm never allowed to, and now you can. Yeah. All right. Well, let me finish the intro, and then we can explain why. Okay. Okay. Uh, we are two brothers, bivocational ministers, seekers of truth, and drinkers of yellow beer. And today's my birthday. And today is Lila's birthday. Woo! Happy 12th birthday, Lila. That's pretty exciting, right? Did you have a good day? Yeah. Hmm? Today's also the first day in the new studio apartment. Yeah. We got the new, um, well, it's not a studio apartment. It's well, a it's new a studio. Well, it's studio. The, yes, it's the apartment studio. <laughs> not a studio apartment. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, we've got our new studio set up, kind of set up. We mm-hmm. want to do some, some sound dampening, uh, in the room a little bit, but, uh, it's a nice, nice spot. We have a view finally. We can look, we, we can look out the window instead like of one small window yeah. in the old one. Yeah. Up, up at a small you slit like at the top of the ceiling. Grass. <laughs> it was like <laughs> looking up at the grass is yeah. never a good situation. No. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be looking down at the grass. Yeah. <laughs> All this time I was thinking, am I in a horror movie? Yeah, yeah. Buried exactly. six feet deep. Yes, we were six feet under. Um, now we are above. We're second floor. Yeah, so yeah. We're, we're six feet good, above. Living the good life. And we got, there's a nice little view of uh, somebody's got some, it looks like uh, decorative uh, globe lights out there on one of their patios. So, yeah. Mm. You can watch the TV and that. From from here on that oh, yeah. place, yeah. so I can keep an eye on the ball game. Yeah, just in case you uh, forget to pay your bill or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. get out the binoculars. Way cheaper. Than binoculars. <laughs> Why do you say it like that? Uh, binoculars. Yeah, that's how it's said. It sounds like no. A... It's binoculars. Yeah, well, it's right. not binoculars. It's not binoculars. You... Well, it's that's, binoculars. That's a curious thing because we say bicycle, and it's the same thing. Bi meaning two. Yeah, you don't say bicycle. <laughs> but you bicycle. say binoculars. I'm gonna go ride my bicycle. You say biplane. You don't say biplane. Biplane. <laughs> <laughs> go for a ride on my biplane. <laughs> but we yeah. do say binoculars. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> English man. Like the plural of uh, of goose is geese. Mm-hmm. But shouldn't that make the plural of moose meese? Yes. Yes. Why not? <laughs> it should. But meese is just moose. <laughs> but it could also be mooses. <laughs> but you could have this is uh, true. mice. Yeah, but that's a whole different animal. I know. But house and mouse rhyme. But... You would you not don't say call heis. Your hi- you don't say heis. It's not a heis. Mouse There's not heis. It's houses. Right. Yeah. So there are no rules. That's yeah. what we're learning. Yeah. That's why English is one of look, the hardest languages to learn. It's like people say, oh, look, learn, see it? all the deer so. on the field? They don't say the deers on the field. Because it mostly yeah. makes no sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why am I saying deer and fish for both? <laughs> Fishes. Yeah. You don't say fishes or deers or mooses. Fishes. You say moose and fish and deer when you're talking about even the plural. All right. And sheep too. Mm. And then you have the there, there, and there. Yeah. Try yeah. to figure that out. Lots effect of... and effect. I'm still trying to figure that one out. I don't know that one. I mess that one up all the time. <laughs> Me too. Wait, yeah. what? Yeah. I just write defect instead. <laughs> I just write impact. 
<laughs> oh yeah, effect and effect. I thought you said effect and effect. I don't, yeah. I don't know. All right, all right. So moving along here to <laughs> it must be like this English lesson. It, with Jason it must and be Lila. like a a real pain in the butt to try to learn that language if you're like French or Spanish or something. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. so. Yeah. All right. So like, anyway, wait. You say there for there and the do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Astrology Cafe. It's my week, so I'm talking about Astrology Cafe, and we're going to ring the singing bowl for that. Uh, Today (laughs) is the 7th of June, so um, happy birthday birthday to Lila. It better be in Gemini, I swear. And the the moon is in Capricorn. Mm. I feel like it was recently as well at some point. Capricorn. Sorry, Capricorn. I didn't actually mean that. Uh, yeah, and so, um, it's always in like Capricorn or Cancer or Scorpio or something. It's never in Scorpio, it's always in like Capricorn or Cancer, it's never in, in like Scorpio or and, Gemini. Uh, so Capricorns are those who are born from December 22nd to um, January 19th mm-hmm. or somewhere around there. Grops Becky, yeah, yeah, Capricorn, the one that we call Grops B. That's, mm-hmm. um, that's uh, Capricorn right there. So that's our mom, uh, in case you're wondering what this word drops B is. <laughs> it's not. My grandma. I made that word up. <laughs> you did. You did. Well, how did that happen? Was I trying to say like grandma and grandpa at the same time and it just came out grops? Um, I think that's. Yeah, I think so. That's where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it was like, say grandma and grandpa. Like you meant like, hey, grandma and grandpa, but it turned out glaps. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, so the moon is a waning gibbous at this time as well. Mm-hmm. The full moon was a few days ago. Right. And, um, and we can't really see it. No. Not recently. No, that's right. We are under a giant fog of um, wildfire smoke here yep. in, in upstate New York, um, as is much of the northeastern United States. Yeah. From Canada, from the, the wildfires. Wild, yeah, the wildfires in Canada. So um, we're hoping that they um, get through that. Period mm-hmm. soon. I guess they need some rain, really, is what it comes down yeah. to, right? I don't know a whole lot about it, but but it's, it's weird. It looks weird out mm-hmm. here. And you, when you walk out, like, if you're, like, used to, like, the inside air, you walk out and you, like, literally smell the smoke. Yeah, yeah. it smells like burning pine. Yeah. Which, I guess. I guess that's what, what it, is. it is. Yeah, it smells like, it smells like a, yeah, like a day-old campfire. You know, yeah. you have a really big campfire and it's, like, the next day. It's kind of the burned-down part of it. Right. That's it's what it smells like. Like it's very familiar, but it's weird. It's just everywhere. And you could look, like if you get on a long road, mm-hmm. you know, through a valley or something. There's there's a major highway that goes through the Mohawk Valley where we live, and you can, I mean, there's you can see that like parts of the valley are are covered by fog off in the distance. You mm-hmm. can't see it where normally you could. It's it's amazing. It's pretty crazy. Uh, so anyway, today um, with the moon being in Capricorn, that means Capricorn, you get your uh, you get your horoscope read today. So this is um, for all of you Capricorns out there. The moon moves into your solar second house, dear Capricorn, and your comfort needs assume particular importance. Tensions can emerge regarding boundaries, money, power dynamics, or respect. However, attractions can be intense today but you can also feel unsatisfied if you sense you're out of balance it's best to avoid impulsive moves until you better understand your needs later today you naturally gravitate to unusual new ways to combine fun and intimacy creatively 
You seem to understand that it doesn't have to be one or the other, and your relationships and mood benefit from this outlook. It's easier to open up and have fun with your deeper needs and desires. That sounds like Rob Specky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Finding ways to combine fun uh, with other things. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's Capricorn, uh, brought to us by Astrology Cafe for today. So um, you have to go back in time and listen to this on uh, on today in order for that to make any sense to you. <laughs> but it's a fun way to throw a little something in. Um, all right, so thank you for ringing the singing bowl, Lila, because you have now introduced your segment, The no. Mind of the Middle Schooler. Perfect. <laughs> all right, what are you going to talk about tonight, Lai? So I'm going to be talking about what I did for my birthday and... Um, at the end, I'm going to allow a little bit of listener communication. Oh, wow. So, um, today, um, I woke up early so that my mom could do my braids before she went to work. And, um, I almost missed the bus. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't tell you that part, dad. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Yeah, I was like cuddled up under my blanket. I didn't want to get out. And then the bus went up and I was sort of like zoned out. Like I knew it went up, but I mean, I didn't really acknowledge it fully. And I was like, okay, the bus is up. I should probably get out, but I didn't. Oh, you can hear (laughs) the the bus before you, you can see the bus go by first. Is that what you mean? Like I heard it and I like, I I heard it. I was like, (laughs) I was like, I looked up and I was like, eh. I look back down. Oh, boy. But I, I got it. But you made it. Yeah. That's good. So I had my day at school. I had a social studies test today, but it was fun. My my social studies teacher was funny about it, and she was like, eh, you got a test on your birthday, Lila. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, my friend um, bought me ice cream for my birthday. <laughs> she was super sweet. Oh, really? That's yeah. fun. Um, and then after school, immediately I walked over to my mom's school that she teaches at and she took me, um, to the mall and I got my nails done and then we went to, um, five guys, burgers and fries for dinner and the fries were really good and I got a milkshake. Um, Mm -hmm. never had them. Hmm. Um, I had a milkshake there, um, which just would be my second out of three milkshakes all day. <laughs> or no, not three milkshakes, three things oh like ice gosh. cream. Um, <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> so then, um, after that, we like browsed for a little bit and then we went over to Target and I went on a splurge. Um, cause I have $70, I had $70, I had $70. Keyword had. (laughs) You Um, don't anymore. Um, of, um, Target gift cards. So I used those and I bought makeup, slime, and candy. Um, 
Mm, fun slime. Mm. It's an <laughs> investment. Yeah, in the yeah. future. <laughs> um, and my mom got me clip-on earrings because a while ago I got my ears pierced, but then I had like no time to keep up with them, so they closed. The holes closed. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> what a waste of pain. Yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't have spent my pain on that. <laughs> I shouldn't have spent my pain on yeah, that. I learned how to spend my pain. And oh, that is a great. That's a great like life lesson. How many times <laughs> I shouldn't have spent my pain on that. <laughs> <laughs> and so my mom got me these pretty butterfly clip-on earrings, um, and. Um, then we went ice cream for the third time. Yeah. So yeah. first it was an ice cream sandwich that my That's friend when I bought got me. To finally, get in on the ice cream party. <laughs> then I got that milkshake from Five Guys, and then I got a root beer float from the ice cream place right across the street. Yeah. Mm. And then we walked back here, and now we're podcasting, huh? Yeah. Very cool. So you had a good day. Mm-hmm. And. The listener communication part was, um, I was thinking that you could take part in listener communication by sending my, um, well, sending the podcast an email about any, like, traditions or fun things that you like to do on your birthday. Nice. Hmm. Oh, that's great. What blows my mind is your next birthday, you're a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yep. How, why is it always so surprising to parents? They're like, oh my gosh, I'm so surprised you're getting so old. Yeah. Because, yeah, I don't know. As from They're a parent's like, perspective, you grow fast. You're so fast. Yeah. I cannot believe that's it. That's kind of how it goes. You're getting so tall, my dearie. Yeah. That's exactly what <laughs> I say dearie. to you. Yeah. My dearie. You're that's a perfect so impression of yeah. you. <laughs> like earlier today, we we're like, I can't believe you're this old already. <laughs> Yeah, that's even more accurate. <laughs> um, all right, so I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, what uh, What does number mean to you? Wait a minute, I forgot part of my segment. Oh, you forgot part of your segment? <laughs> I thought you were going to... That... My dad yeah. got me a few things as well. Oh. So I, yeah, you, I almost... you may or may not know... But I am a fan of Nintendo, Uh and my favorite character is Princess Peach, as you probably can guess if you know Nintendo and you know me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm like, and so he got got me um, little Nintendo socks with Goombas on it, and then there was one with Peach and a Shy Guy. Um, (laughs) If you don't know Nintendo, you have to look up what those things are, but... um, So, uh, then he also got me a Nintendo eShop gift card. Yeah. Um, so I can get like new games on the Switch and stuff. And then he also got me a brand new Switch controller with Peach on it. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I that's saw cool. the Peach controller. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's huh? Pretty cool. Um, so yeah. Anyway, what's your question? Oh, my question is, what is uh, what does number mean to you? Number or numbers or just the idea of numbers and it's using a them. thing. Yeah. That is written. It's a symbol that is written. Okay. That represents an amount. An amount? An amount. Okay. And it's like a whole nother language. Oh, okay. In what way? Because you say one. And immediately to 
other people in the room, it means there is a single quantity of something. Okay. And maybe I just dropped my earrings. Um, and like, say I said, there's one dude in this room with curly hair and glasses, and um, he's cr- very cringy. Um, Did you say very cringy? Yeah. <laughs> That applies to both of you. I know, all, of, I was say. all of those I think descriptions. There's two guys like that. Yeah. You don't think he's cringy too? Yeah. So that right. is an incorrect language. <laughs> there is You misspoke two. your language. Math no, I hard. didn't misspeak. That was supposed to be there because I'm totally smooth like that. Um so there is one guy in this room. Well the okay, so let me tie this again. Rewind. There are two <laughs> Male human beings. Okay. In currently in this room space. Yeah. What does that mean to you? What does that mean? Yes. That when you say there are two. Yes. Uh, to me, it means there is um, double of something, right? So there's one yes. thing, and then now there's if there's two, it's a it's a duplication. See right? how this is like a language, <clears throat> like without numbers, we would be saying, "Hey, can I have a um, singular piece of cake or whatever?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with yeah. numbers, we could just say, "Hey, can I just have a piece of cake, like one piece of cake or something like that, right? Or right. two pieces or something?" Yeah, yeah, two is usually where you end up. <laughs> <laughs> I listen with one this ear and also with this ear. You'd have to say right instead of listening with two ears. Yeah, yeah. I, I walk yeah. with uh, that foot and that foot. You wouldn't say two feet. And right. I hop with these feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it is interesting when you start thinking about what numbers are actually describing, and that's why I wanted to see what your thoughts were. That's pretty cool. You're right. It is a, like a language, right? That it's. It's a, a language that describes, um, you know, it gives, us, it gives us categories to describe the world around us. Almost to be able to find similarities between things, right? Because in order to say there's two of something, they have to be alike enough to say there's two of those things. Yeah, because right? if you say there's two bandanas in this room and there's one thing that's like a small piece of cloth with designs on it and then the other is like a huge piece of cloth with like something that says I am not a bandana on it. You can't call it a bandana. You gotta call it a blanket that's not a bandana. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Whoa, you got me thinking... Mm -hmm. Yeah. About numbers, and yeah. I'm like thinking about the infiniteness of it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking of how much of an infinite universe there is, right? And how far numbers can travel back. Uh huh. And just think there are numbers that scientists have not even named yet due to the most infiniteness of this world's numbers. Think how many numbers there is possible to be. We can't even say how many numbers there is possible to be because we don't know quantities that large. Wow. So profound from the mind uh, of the middle schooler. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you, Lila. That was wonderful. You're um, 
You bring insight every time you share with us on the show. So there's so many numbers that we can't. There's <laughs> still on the numbers. There's <laughs> there's like more numbers than there are humans on the earth. Like think about actually like how many humans there are on the earth, and then think about that there's like more. There's like more numbers than there are humans on the earth, and and how it can be more numbers than like quadrillion times the earth peoples yeah and like 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 it's it's insane <laughs> how <laughs> she's bringing the ball again this is what happens when we give her the ball and on her birthday yeah. just just realize how infinite numbers yeah. are you get caught in like a twilight zone episode yeah 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 all right well uh lila it is time for you to um not let this be an infinite day and put an end to it by going to bed. Is this pouring outside? <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit. I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, but thank you for being on the show. We love your segment and your um, insight. Numbers. And your sharing. And now infinite you can go and dream numbers. about the infinite nature of number. <laughs> you made me tired, broski. <laughs> I'm not your broski. Yes, yeah. <laughs> All right. Good night, Lila. Thanks for being on Please do not slam the door. Okay. All right. Well, you have a good night. We'll see you. I'll, I'll see you in the morning. Uncle Jay will see you soon. Okay, bye, All right. Bye, bye. All right. So, what do you think of the new digs, Jay? I like it. You like the new place? Yeah. Hmm. I think it'll be a good little studio for us. Yeah, you got the uh, board games up there. Oh yeah, yeah. We got all the, the nerdy games good up little, there. Little uh, music closet. Yep, we got some instruments over there, so we can jam out if we want to. Yeah? Yeah. That's a good space. Yeah, I think it'll be good. It's a little warmer yeah. in here than the other one. <laughs> yeah, I got cold in the other one sometimes. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the kegerator was in the other room, but now the kegerator is like, you can open that door yeah. without even without <laughs> yeah. even the getting out of your is, chair. <laughs> mine is dragging, you know, I need a little pick-me-up. Yeah. What was I saying? <laughs> one sec. Hold on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that that's going to be cool. Um, and then we can, uh, yeah, we're going to start working on some other stuff in the studio here, get it set up, try mm-hmm. to do some sound dampening, as I already mentioned, and get it sounding nice and crispy in here. Yeah. So I think that'll be good. We've got like a natural reverb happening tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit verby, but that's okay, yeah. I think, for one sewed. Um, yeah. How how else, uh, how's everything else going for you? Hmm. Yeah, things are going good. Yeah. Um, just trying to, uh, you know, not inhale a lot of smoke. I know. That's the that's the big that's news like, around here. It's yeah, weird, it's, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, hear conflicting things, but it's like, you know, if you're outside for this many hours, it's like smoking this many cigarettes. Right. It's like, right. oh, wow. Like, yeah. I just want to go outside. I didn't want to you know, yeah. start a habit. Cigarette sales are down across <laughs> yeah, the right, Northeast. Yeah. Like, Everybody's getting their fix just... <laughs> Just living. Yeah, and uh like I, I like having the windows open, you know. Yeah. But I didn't want to I don't want to get it in, you know, all the stuff and inside the apartment. So I'm like I close all the windows and so it's like, you know, it's actually been nice ish weather, enough right. to have the windows open, but I've had everything closed up, you yeah. know. I'm running running air so that it's like filtering the air that's in here, trying uh-huh. to keep it nice and clean. It's like, man. If yeah, I feel like maybe that's the worst thing is like I feel like the last couple of days were gonna be nice days. Yeah, they're just gone. They're yeah, just lost. I know. It kind of feels like a little bit of COVID all over again. Just it's like, weird, right? Yeah, like stay inside. Yeah, don't yeah. Don't, don't go, go out, out if you don't have to. Yeah, I know. 
And then, of course, you think about the devastation of right. the people who are suffering major losses. I mean, people dying and then mm-hmm. also losing property is it's the next thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's pretty devastating. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah, 100 like, acres or something. Yeah. At least. Oh, Just like, in the one uh, one area of oh, really? where, where fires are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like it's one of the biggest fire seasons they have the fire season almost every year right because it gets dry and then mm -hmm. uh usually it's like light lightning started this oh yeah uh, catches those dry pines up there yeah 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 wow well uh our our best to our our neighbors to the north yeah i hope that uh you know we're just we're just have to deal with smoke for a few days right they're dealing with much worse so i hope they're hope they're uh hope they're all going to be okay here soon so Mm -hmm. If we have any listeners in Canada, we've had some downloads in Canada, so we'll, we'll you know send some good vibes that way. So, um, all right, so we did have a listener communication this yeah, week, we which did. is uh, exciting, <clears throat> and uh, this is a great supporter of the show, um, and uh, they have said that we can um, share who it is. It's our friend Lauren. So thanks, Lauren, for emailing the show, which is exciting. Um, and so we'll read, uh, we'll read what you sent to us. Uh, this is an email called A2 for You. Uh, my little one loved her shout out in the first segment. Her and I have been listening together, listening used uh, generously for the toddler uh, from the start, and her ears perked up hearing the story she had lived the night before. <laughs> she then asked me, where is Jason? Maybe 10 times until she lost interest and moved on to something else. <laughs> Yeah, story of my life. Yeah, you know that feeling. It's usually not ten <laughs> times though. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's usually like three or four, two or three, and then, you know. and then it's like, ah, okay, he's not here. Yeah. We don't care. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't that important. <laughs> I'll just send him snail mail and tell him what I was thinking. Um, all right, uh, that wasn't the in the email. That no. stuff. Uh, this episode was particularly interesting to me as an enneagram type two. Mm. I remember getting my results and thinking, well, yeah. I guess I'm the helper because I'm a nurse. I liked the reframe while listening to the podcast that maybe I'm not a two because I'm a nurse. I'm a nurse because I'm a two. I always, I also had a good laugh when you talked about twos having no direct connections to the head types. Some of the most trusted people in my life are head types. Makes me wonder what my wing is. I totally have imposter syndrome when it comes to being a two. (laughs) I've taken the test twice because I thought I must have skewed the results in the way that I answered the questions. And yes, each time I got two. I wonder how many twos out there firmly believe that they are. Hmm. This episode has given me some new angles of self-reflection, and I enjoyed the guided dive into different corners of my own mind. Let's do a head type next. (laughs) Lauren. That's right. Yeah, we did the gut type. Yeah. With a nine and then... The heart type, yeah, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah, we do. We got to bounce around into the other side of the circle there. We yeah, gotta pick up a head type. So, what do you think? Uh, five, six, or seven? You have you have plans? Where are you going next? Are you going to do that in the next next week's sode, or are you going to go to a different topic? Maybe I don't know. Oh, you're just teasing people now. Well, I kind of you. like I kind of like uh, spreading out the <laughs> enneagram stuff. You know? Yeah. Not, yeah, not all at once. Yeah, but it would be exciting to look like dive into fives i don't know they're curious yeah yeah 
You and I have a common friend. One of our best friends mm-hmm. is a five. Yeah, uh, Heath, and he's the one that actually he's the one that did the logo for the yeah the shows uh, up on the uh, so, on the podcast. Yeah, uh, he made that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so you you every time you open up our podcast, you see his artwork, and mm-hmm. that's the you see the mind of, of a five uh, visually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's our that's our buddy Heath. So yeah, it would be fun to do to do that. Um, and fives are an interesting group. I um. In, in my band, there's actually at least one five, okay. um, probably two fives in my band, <laughs> maybe three. Oh, wow. Pr- probably not all three. Of but. four guys? Yeah. yeah. There are potentially three fives? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Just, you guys just sit around like thinking? They do. Thinking I've, at yeah. each other? I sit around feeling. <laughs> <laughs> They're thinking. <laughs> Ooh, that thinking feels great. <laughs> I can feel your thinking. It's just permeating my soul. Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, and it, I, I do appreciate the idea of what she said um, when she said, "Maybe I'm not a two because I'm a nurse. I'm a nurse because I'm a two. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, that one is such a the name of it is so like specific to it, like the helper, you mm-hmm. know, like that it, that it, you can very easily associate a career type yeah. with that you know, because they even call them helping professions. Helping professions right? Yeah. So, yeah. So it, it, you would probably actually find a lot of, you know, twos among mm-hmm. the helping professions. Right. So you think like, you know, all right, well, I'm going to, because of my vocation and what I do, I'll answer these questions in a particular way. Right. But I think that's what's neat about the Enneagram is it actually helps you understand the why of your whole self a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You know, the the whole like, you know, why did I choose this particular career path? Yeah. You know, or why do I end up with the relationships that I have? She, she mentioned, so what do you think that is? Um, the idea of her having most trusted types. people being head types. Yeah. Right? You know, is that uh, my first thought, maybe you, you agree, is that given that, uh, twos connect to eight and four, right? So mm-hmm. they connect to a gut type and they connect to a, another heart. A, a heart. Yeah, the other yeah. heart type, right? Um, and so they don't have a direct line into the head type. So maybe it's a, a like a compensation factor of getting that kind of balance into mm-hmm. their life that they would end up with, you know, uh, a head type. Yeah, like, yeah, seeking out an energy yeah. that is like yeah hard for you to harness or something yeah and you you know so but you can like you can see it clearly in somebody else Mm -hmm. um maybe something you have trouble seeing in yourself so you like gravitate toward that yeah just to like experience it yeah um yeah and the other thing too like a fours and uh fours and fives like I, you know, Heath's a friend. I'm, I'm four. He's five. You know, mm-hmm. and then in my band, you know, friends. So I have noticed I sometimes have friends that are fives. Yeah. And I remember reading somewhere that fours and fives connect um, because they experience the world um, similarly, uh, but like just through a different lens completely. You mm-hmm. know, like a lot of their experiences are the same about like their reactions to things and stuff like that. But a, a four brings um, sort of the emotional context to a situation, whereas right. the five brings the analytical. So it's like they connect because they, you know, 
things sort of hit them in a similar way, but right. they are allowed, you know, if they're friends with one another or they can communicate, then they get that perspective that they don't have as much access to, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that, I mean, that's kind of an interesting thing too. It's like getting that perspective from somebody or something right. um, that you didn't have access to as easily naturally on your own. Uh, and you're, and you're a five wing too, right? I, I don't know. Oh. Yeah, because I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely the, the potential that I have a three wing, you know, as the other option. Yeah, to to a, having a five wing. Yeah, <laughs> I could also have a seven wing. You know, <laughs> I could have an infinite wing. Yeah, Lila yeah right. Wing. Yeah, what she's is still, number? She's still <laughs> thinking about that right now. <laughs> um, She's yeah, the number peach is what she's thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's her birthday. She got peach stuff. How many S's in yeah. the word peach? <laughs> but uh no, I mean I don't know. I could I could I could have a three wing, I feel like sometimes, you know, that perf- I mean the performance aspect, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of wanting that. But yeah. Yeah. But probably more the analytical side, right? Probably more the five wing. I think so. Just, yeah. I mean, knowing you and your your deep thought processes with not everything, but certain things. Well, actually, yeah, maybe not everything, but a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a three comes out. Yeah, uh, that's true. Because I mean, your I mean, your vocations kind of yeah force you into not that's force true. you, but sort of place you into that three thing. But yeah, yeah, that that is true. Sometimes, and that's that's a place where I think a vocation can can kind of skew right. what you think, you know, or, or your actual true nature. Right. You know, if it doesn't line up perfectly, you can access it for work purposes. Right. But it's not like your home base. Yeah. Like if you did a test, um, like a, a pre-vocation Enneagram test mm-hmm. and a post-vocation Enneagram test, there would be differences, oh, yeah. I feel like. That is an interesting thought that, you know, sort of what you spend your life doing, mm-hmm. you know, can influence yeah. yeah how your how your type plays out mm-hmm. i don't think it changes your core but it de- i think it would probably definitely change you know how you would uh how that would play out and present in the world mm-hmm. yeah yeah cool. maybe especially with like the the subtypes and the wings like those those other dynamics at play yeah where a little bit more of the world is influencing yeah who you are no that's interesting yeah, i wonder yeah, I wonder about that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, thank you for the email. Yes, um, thank you. We love I love getting emails and love hearing you know sort of the conversation and how that's uh, playing out for everybody out there as they are listening and being a part of our universe, as we call it. It's cool. So send us an email, brothers at musicofthespherespodcast.com, dot com, and uh, let us know what you think about some of this uh, crazy stuff we're talking about. We'd be love to hear from you. Um, Great. So, uh, yeah, I guess we don't have to do so much talking while I walk away to get beer because you can just reach behind you and oh, yeah, grab it right, right out of the fridge. Yeah. So just, you know. Yeah, people have been uh, sick of hearing about the social media. Well, update. they know, you know, it's unless there's anything to report that you're seeing on the social medias. That's where we want to, you know, um, anything, anything out there in the world of the socials or not? I don't think so, but I, I, I think I'll put uh, Lila's question out there, like birthday traditions. That's kind of a... Yeah, that is neat. Uh, what I mean, yeah, because like, what do people do on their, you know, you getting out of that camp chair, 
it might have been easier for me to walk around. I mean, I was like, still, we're still ironing out some kinks in the studio here. But, uh, yeah. So there we go. That's a that's a 15 pack block of of natty ice. That tired me out. Yeah. Now you need one because of that. So <laughs> natural ice. Look at that. 5.9% alcohol by volume. So I figured, you know, you got us on an ice beer kick there at one point. So I figured we'd try another one while while we were at it. And uh where the where the uh where the apartment is, there's a there's a beverage center across the street and down down just a little ways. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. So I stopped, I stopped by, and I had never been in there before, which is funny because they carry our beer. I really probably should have already been in there before. But, uh, so I went in and, and checked it out, and, uh, and they had this. So I was like, oh, let's try this. I didn't, we haven't done this one yet. Right. Right? We haven't done this one yet? I know we've done a couple other ice beers. We did. What did we do? We did Ice House. Yeah. <laughs> was, was that last week or um, two weeks ago? That was, that was last week. That was last week. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. So we did, yeah, we did Ice House. We, we did, did uh, Milwaukee's Best Ice, I think. Oh, yeah. We, right? Yep, yep. We did Beast Ice. Yeah. Did, didn't we do, did, did Bush? Um, you know, or was that just Bush and Bush Light? I can, I can look any? back at the uh, Instagram post. Oh, yeah, yeah. See the, All right. I think I missed a couple of weeks. Oh, I know. Uh, you didn't get paid those weeks. That's <laughs> yeah, it's just like internship. <laughs> we're podcasting interns right now. Yeah, we yeah. are we are our own interns. Yeah, we're not paying ourselves. <laughs> we just, we just pay we pay ourselves in beer that we have to buy ourselves. <laughs> oh yeah, Nicolaitis. Um All right. Well, um yeah, I don't know if we did any anything other than Just those two? Yeah, those two. Okay. Well, here we go. Natural ice. So, do you want to describe the can, Jay? It's yeah, and I would have remembered the eagle with the yeah. What's that? The Anheuser a- Anheuser Busch logo. That's I think. the big it must A. Be, yeah, it must be behind the yeah. eagle. Yeah, it's got to say St. Louis on here somewhere. Then, right? Do you see that? Anyway? Yeah, Anheuser Busch, St. Louis, yeah, Missouri. So we see the. Uh, I wonder what like the, on one side we see the top of the the eagle's wing on the other side we see the bottom their interpretation of the differences in the top and bottom of an eagle's wing <laughs> who knows how accurate <laughs> natty ice got it but <laughs> you know the, this is podcast gold when you describe um beer can labels people tune in just for this yeah, i think right. they're like i want to sit here and listen to him describe a natural ice can to me <laughs> it looks a little like the uh the Los Angeles Angels. Oh, it does. Um, yeah, or Anaheim Angels. Yep. yep. And they logo. Yeah, they play at the Big A too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, in front of uh, you know, twelve hundred people. <laughs> it's not as bad as Oakland, no. But uh, yeah. So, do you, can I read this? This is yeah, on the Naturalized website. At five point nine percent ABV, natural natty ice is sure to jumpstart your story with a signature smooth, refreshing taste and clean finish. The beer undergoes Anheuser-Busch's exclusive 
ice brewing process, which takes the beer to a temperature below freezing and leads to the formation of ice crystals, which create its signature rich and smooth taste. It's perfect for taking things up a notch when the sun goes down. To start your that. story. Yeah. I, wow. I can't. Now I will never be able to start a story without this. You know, I'm talking Lila in. Dad, will you read me a story? Not until I get a natty ice in yeah. me. We have to wait until the sun goes down and I get a natty ice in me. No, my story doesn't start until the sun goes down. <laughs> Once the sun goes down, we start writing my story. Wow. Oh, that's hilarious. I, I love that little... Uh, <laughs> that little promo copy. Uh, and how can how exclusive can it be when there's like we've already had two other ices on here? I mean, they're exclusive. Yeah, ice brewing process. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like I would say, it's, it's not very exclusive. It's proprietary. It's yeah, uh, yeah. Proprietary. Well, well Ice House was like the the OG. I, that's what we think, right? Yeah, the original ice beer. Yeah, yeah. So don't they have the? Aren't they kind of proprietary then? Yeah, maybe. I think it all I depends know. on how much industrial espionage has taken place. <laughs> <laughs> They're stealing these processes yeah. from one another. What? Are, yeah. What are ice beer spies? What do they look like? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, they seem like big hulking fellows, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what's the, what's that guy doing over there in the brewery with those that? Glasses with the fake nose on it. <laughs> What's he doing there with a clipboard and taking notes? And a Gore-Tex jacket. Look how cold he is. It's cold because it's ice beer. All right. Uh, it's super clear. Super clear. Look at that. That's intensely clear. I think ice beer is like the funniest kind of beer. Yeah. It makes know. me laugh. It's got like... It's a funny... Know. Yeah, it's a funny I feel idea. like it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's like not with copy like that. Yeah, kick it up a notch when the sun yeah. goes down. I'm, I'm cold and loving every minute of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm a little more boozy than you need. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, that, that you know yeah. that fun friend from high school is right. always like, right. You know, maybe gonna yeah. get you in a little too much trouble. Right, like, right. But you're you're so lovable. I don't, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, that or that crazy uncle, you know. It's always <laughs> yeah, right. just takes it a little too far, uh-huh. you know. Yep. At the at the you know, Mother's Day brunch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh let's try it. Yeah, so give it a go. What's the verdict? Oh. It's not as I don't think it's as smooth as the other ones. <clears throat> no? It's pretty yeah, it's like what do you? So what the, do you can, think? Is, my the can is full of lies, or the, yeah, the copy I think, is. I think it's a little bit more harsh. It's got a little bit more of a bite to it, both in the alcohol and in the bitterness. But that could be my palate because we were mm. celebrating with ice cream earlier. You were eating so. sweets. Yeah. yeah, who knows? That could be. What do you think? Uh, actually, it's good to have it back to back. It's definitely not as smooth as the ice house. Really? I don't think so. Yeah. 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 No, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. That is a little punchy. Yeah. Not like I, like party punch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, though, what I do like about it, it's got more bitterness than any of the ice beers we've had. And again, that could just be my palate, but do you notice that too? It's like just a, that dry, bitter finish. Uh-huh. 
which yeah. I actually like that. Yeah, the other ones were pretty sweet. They finished like, like with all like, this a slick syrupy character because yeah. of yeah. the ice beer. Because I mean, they're literally just thicker. Yeah, you know, it's like slightly. Maybe those are the guys who the spying uh, ice beer guys, slick and syrupy characters. <laughs> yes, they, look at these <laughs> slick and syrupy characters slinking through the brewery. <laughs> We have a, we get a lot of those at, at Wolf Hollow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We call them our customers. Oh yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you to our slick and syrupy okay. characters. They're not stealing your proprietary blends. We don't have anything proprietary. <laughs> we, you know, we do. We everything we do, we've stolen from. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, I no. We we have a few proprietary things that we, you know, think we've figured out. We'll, we're happy to share them. We're not big secret keepers. So right, yeah. You can right. buy the Google Doc for $10. Yeah. So I think what we've learned here is if you like your beer with a little bit more of a dry finish, a little bit more bitterness, mm-hmm. but you want to have the kind of fun night that an ice beer will give you. Right. Then none other, none other but the ice beer can give you. Yeah. 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 If you want to if you want to write a story that never ends, <laughs> then start with a natty <laughs> ice. I think though, yeah, it's definitely dif- different. Than the other ones. Yeah, it is. So they're not, which is, that's kind of cool about this, you know, like the drinking yellow beers is kind of just a joke, but at the same time, it's also like really educational. You can, yeah, you definitely can find subtle differences Mm -hmm. in all these beers, you know. It was neat, you know, drinking some of those regional ones like Straub, you know, and the, you know, the Genesis and stuff like that. Or just figuring out how to say Straub. Straub, we had to look it up. Wasn't it Strobe? Or no? No, I think it's Straub. Was it Straub? said Straub. Straub. No, we wasn't that. this conversation. Doesn't want that. No, yes. <laughs> we're just repeating ourselves now. It's 31 episodes in and we're repeating ourselves. But I was talking to people and they're like, I'm I'm glad you guys talk about yellow beer because everyone's talking about, you know, craft beer. And, right, right. And, you know, doing their own like, yeah. you know, whatever. Everybody has a craft beer podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, who talks about this crappy beer that we are all ashamed to say that we all drink? Yeah. Like we yeah, do. Exactly. We yeah. drink it. Yeah, I get caught with my Wolf Hollow logo on sometimes. Like, I bought this, you know, oh, while yeah. while I was doing a sales call with the <laughs> owner of the place. I was like, I'm also buying this beer for a separate occasion. I'm not making any. You know, I'm not going to try to sneak around here and take my shirt off. Yeah, right. You know. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but I get caught sometimes. Yeah. People see me with my but logo. But hopefully we're spreading the word that we don't have to feel ashamed. No. No. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be a yellow beer drinker. Right. Embrace it. Yeah. And it's it's a craft beer world. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, but there's a lot of craft yellow beers too. That's true. We make we make our our light American lager. We just uh-huh. made it even lighter. It's under four percent right oh, now. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll probably bring it back up so it'll be right around four, like four four one, four two, something okay. like that. But it's three point seven percent. We do we took the corn out of it. It used to be a because we were trying to get the corn flavor in it to be like an American adjunct lager, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, but it was just a little little more corny than we wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how corniness usually works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My daughter reminds me of that all yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, and then, the, then they use the word cringy, which is just a little more insulting. Uh, it's a little more cringy than corny. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what it is. <laughs> So that's like uh, none the wiser ultra. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 196 calories. <laughs> nice. I wonder how many calories it is, actually. We could start, if we did an actual test, we could start marketing that. That'd be fun. Mm. You got to figure out how to do that. I think you have to like set it on fire or something. 
I don't know how you said. I don't know the the you could call it the nun with her. What's the 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 habit? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Habitless nun. Yeah. So it's not not so bad habit. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Not so bad habit. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. Episode thirty one, segment one, complete. And we're drinking Natty Ice. We're going to take a little break, uh, drink some more Natty Ice, and then we're going to come back. uh, And I've got part two of the Matrix of Creation book to share with you all tonight. And uh, Jason as well. So uh, we're going to do that in just a minute. So thanks for listening to the show. Stick around, and we will be right back. segment number two here on episode 31 and about to share with you this evening's uh, topic which is the second part of the matrix of creation uh, it's a fantastic book by uh, i believe he to be a scotsman named richard heath and he mm. uh, wrote this book called uh, the matrix of creation and uh, of course as you would in a book like this there are nine chapters and of course, mm-hmm. as I would, as somebody trying to honor his understanding of numbers, we're doing it uh, in three segments, three times three, uh, to make the nine chapters. So mm. this is the middle section of of our uh, look at this work, and uh, we'll be finishing up um, in episode 33, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, you don't know that you just blew my mind. <laughs> 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 oh no, I know. <laughs> but uh yeah, it I mean, it seems fitting. I didn't plan it that way, but that's just kind of how it happened. So episode 33 will be the the final episode of uh of this book where we're going to be in the third segment of uh, a nine uh, a nine chapter book, mm-hmm. you know. Three times three is nine. So it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh so that just kind of happened. Uh but the next week we're going to kind of get into um where he uh, sees this, the matrix of creation in um, in sort of the natural world, we're going to see it in in music, which is why I'm, I'm pretty excited about where that's going to go. Okay. Because I, as you know, I'm a I'm a nerd for anything music, and um, I, I really like this idea that you know music not only is something that resonates um, with all of us human beings, but I, 
just because of its aesthetic pleasing value or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Aesthetically pleasing value. I actually think that, you know, music is somehow central to our being and our creation and who and what we actually are. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I'm hoping to delve into a little bit at the end of this, but he's going to set up some interesting stuff in the middle here as well. He's going to talk a little bit about how, um, this idea of the matrix of creation uh, kind of shows up in myth, and that the reason perhaps um, isn't isn't just mythical stories that kind of got you know made up. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of times what we what we are told, right? Is that uh, these people just sitting around ancient people? Of course, they were stupid because they're ancient people sitting around like you know, making up these, these myths just to entertain themselves or to give themselves a sense of meaning or a a placement in the cosmos that they didn't understand. And, you know, so we, we always kind of look back when we're, you know, looking from today's perspective, looking back on, on mythology and then the, and the sort of myth, um, ethos of, of the ancient peoples. And we kind of look, we almost look down on it, it seems. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's going to talk about how maybe there's a deeper connection there. Um, so we're going to hear that in the, in sort of the first couple of, uh, chapters, um, actually in, in all of them, uh, (laughs) all three that we're going to look at tonight. Uh, and then we're going to, there's going to be, um, uh, chapter six is where he's going to get into, um, so chapter four and five are going to be about the myths and chapter six, um, is, is going to, uh, get into this this flirty relationship between two planets in our solar system. So, wow. yes, we're delving into the risque tonight. It's like uh, yeah. this book had a natty ice and then uh, <laughs> yeah. figured out yeah. its story yeah. once the sun went down. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so smooth. The more I drink it, the more it just kind of tastes like whiskey to me. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, like weak whiskey. In, yeah. yeah. It's like... If whiskey were beer, this is what, it would, what it would be. That's what it would be, yeah. <laughs> but not like uh, good whiskey. No, right? yeah, you know. <laughs> you All only right. brought like a, a thing of pennies to the bar. And you're like, what, what can I get with this roll of pennies? <laughs> yeah. Did you see that giant pile of coins I have out on the table right yes. by the door? <laughs> yeah. It's all the coins I found when I was moving stuff over here. <laughs> and these different bowls and everything. I was like, yeah. this, these, these belong in a museum. <laughs> these belong in a bank. <laughs> I got to take them and like get them somewhere. You yeah. Because like, yeah. I, I can't use them like that. Who shows up with a bag full of no. coins and was like, pour me a pint of ale. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then, like, the bartender has to count them. Yeah. It's like, like, I'd rather have you, like, mop the floor for five minutes for this beer. (laughs) Oh, you you can keep that dime for yourself. (laughs) When they're all done counting. (laughs) Uh, I recommend Coinstar. Coinstar? Yeah. What's that? If you don't want to roll them, you just uh, bring them in, you... Dump them in the thing, dump right? Them in the There's thing. a thing to dump them in, right? I've yeah. seen those. At They'll the take banks. a percentage of your of your coinage. Oh, really? But they uh, take a little cut. Yeah, they take a cut. It's a one for you, one for me thing. It's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every other coin they get. Yeah, yeah. You want yours to land on the quarters. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's very random. Yeah. You have to be strategic about how you throw them in. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got another penny. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> um. All right. Well, I'll do that, maybe. <laughs> yeah. 
And we'll have to tell our customers. Well, we already have our, not our customers, our, our listeners. We'll have mm-hmm. to tell them about uh, this great thing you've discovered. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I well, got to do something about yeah. it. You're going to do enough counting when you talk about this. Yeah, I think the last time (laughs) when we did the first three chapters, the only listener communication we got was so much math. Remember that from D? D. Yeah. Well, okay. Sorry. Here comes more math, everybody. (laughs) But this is more fun math because it involves planets flirting with each other at the end. Mm. So, yeah. You got to keep an eye on it. It isn't like a classic love story. Yeah. Yeah. You got to keep an eye on these planets. (laughs) Get a room. Yeah. Uranus. Yeah. Yeah. I said it wrong uh, on purpose, I guess, but, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was fun. Yep, yep. Are you calling me something? <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, moving along. We're going to start here with this idea of, um, of what, was, what was kind of set up in the beginning of the book, the first three chapters, was this idea of uh, relationships that Richard Heath has been able to sort of discover in the ratios of planetary motion just the the ways that the planets move have ratios that are similar to uh what we see on planet earth in the natural world right he started talking about the golden mean that fee relationship and i still don't know if i'm saying that right but i'm gonna go with it but the fee relationship um uh, of uh, how two you know two things can be cut out of one right and it's this idea that it's the golden mean which allows us to uh to sort of see beauty right so anything that is that is structurally beautiful uh, Mm -hmm. whether it's a building or a flower or a person's face that those things come through the through this golden mean ratio being being used it's the same ratio that appears in the fibonacci sequence so right so he was able to so we see it in the physical world you know, with structural stuff, but he's also seeing it in the vibrational world, right? The, in the movement of the planets. Mm-hmm. And so it, you can listen to episode 31 if you want to hear the breakdown of that, but it's about how the planets, you know, sort of spin uh, around, um, not not just in their orbits, but also their period around the sun. And he can look at those periods and give us ratios. And so it's present in the solar system is kind of the that's the groundwork that we're working from. Now he's saying in this chapter that this, this stuff uh, also is is brought down to Earth, um, mm. and the I guess he's referring to it kind of as the lens by which humanity is able to understand this is the moon itself. That through the moon and and you know us being able to observe it because it's obviously the closest other body in the solar system Mm -hmm. easiest thing for us to observe is the sun we can observe but it's hard to look at (laughs) you know the moon we can we can count things a little bit more specifically with the moon so he says this the moon is a translator or lens through which the motions of the planetary and starry worlds are registered though lifeless itself it is involved with life but in a way different from the sun which provides the energy for life The moon represents the world of dark planetary matter and hence the magic of number in motion, which is seen in the forms life builds. So he he sees a connection here between the forms of of life structure 
mm-hmm. right? Physical matter and living matter and living energy. Uh, he sees a similarity between that and uh, the moon and the planets and their motions, and that the moon is what helps us to see that all those other things are connected into this um, into the same sort of living energy, mm-hmm. even though they're not, even though they're lifeless themselves, as you know, as far as we know, right? They're. I actually just heard a story that maybe there's they they're able to predict that there might be more life on some moons or something like that potentially like because of subterranean water systems or whatever oh, yeah. that they can detect but as far as you know like civilization life right obviously they're dark in that way mm-hmm. um but they're still connected to living things in these ratios and in these numbers right so that's kind of the that's kind of where he's going. He's going to start show how this comes down to Earth a little bit. Um, all right, so he says this: uh, the golden mean found in the Moon and Venus. Remember, we um, we saw in the end of episode thirty-one the relationship between the Moon and Venus being a, a relationship that's uh, that has to do with that golden mean relationship, the phi relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the golden mean found in the moon and Venus appears at the heart of creating the world of form itself. Schwaller de Lubitz identifies the golden mean as the fundamental scission or division of one into two that creates three things, the original whole and two parts, one in golden proportion to the whole and the other in golden proportion to that. And that's the idea of the sort of the golden mean, um, that they're both proportionally equal to one another, right? If you sort of measure up uh, Mm -hmm. in scale from smallest to largest, the whole being the largest and then the two cuts being the next smallest down. Um, So he's going to tie this into ancient structures and, and monuments that humans built. Uh, Ancient monuments are cosmological structures on a par with our particle accelerators and radio telescopes, but with the focus on numerical rather than atomic reality. The numerical content of stone circles, for example, is extremely sophisticated. They may have had only a few observational uses, but many numerical relationships were captured within them. The most famous megalithic monument is the Great Pyramid at Giza in Egypt. Its slope angle is the golden mean ratio, uh, and its dimensions enabled John Greaves to establish the length of the royal cubic, 1.718 feet. The southern base length is 756 feet, or 440 of those cubits, making the height 481 feet, or 280 royal cubits. The product of the two dimensions in any units produces the length of the degree, 68.88 miles, at latitude 31 degrees north, the dimensions of the pyramid thus relate to its location on Earth. So just the the base versus the height, right? No matter what, you know, you measure it in which units you measure it in, as long as you measure them both with the same unit, mm-hmm. right? The, uh, the product of those two dimensions uh, produces the length of the, de- the degree at latitude 31 degrees north. So it, it's almost as though the, the building itself in its own structure points to where it's placed on the planet, which is pretty mm-hmm. impressive, really. Um, and, and so through that, we're sort of seeing this idea that 
um, these ancient peoples that were involved in these things, there was so much more knowledge of this than perhaps we often give them credit for. Uh-huh. But this was definitely central to their understanding. You know, he talks about stone circles, right, and the relationships that they were able to talk about in there. Remember, we connected um, Stonehenge into that mm-hmm. relationship in the in the first segment of this. Um, so uh, this, all of this stuff, right? We're assuming if you know the pyramids of Egypt were built by humans, right? Which some people, you know, it's up in the air for some people about where the pyramids came from, um, and if they were built by. You know the Egyptian humans, or maybe there's a different human that human civilization that was older than the Egyptians, and the Egyptians came in and and sort of overtook that as their own and mm-hmm. kind of you know settled there because of the power of that. Or there are thoughts that it could be other intelligences that are involved there, right? So whether it's the ancient alien theory, right, that you've heard of, or whether uh-huh. it's you know different different human civilization that is not around anymore we don't have record of right. you know things like there's so many possibilities but um regardless richard heath in this book is talking about this stuff comes then from the human mind right that mm-hmm. this is a this is a construct of the human mind is somehow producing this these relationships and these understandings of this ratio like it's almost something that's built in to humanity that we need to express right it just has to come out i don't know if you've experienced that maybe you've experienced like you're you're a songwriter so you write some songs you know and do you you ever get that sense that you know a song that you work on just had to come out right and I, i think artists feel the same way you know maybe if they're not musical artists but they're artists in other ways it's just like i've heard about sculptors you know and and sometimes whatever medium they might be working with, whether it's clay Mm -hmm. or wood or whatever they're sculpting in, you know, for them, it's, it's not so much about, you know, planning and thinking it's about finding what's in that medium to come out, like discovering something more than it is, you know, um, creating something. I don't know if you've had that experience. Yeah. I, I think I've experienced it more, um, as a, expression of i mean as an expression of like emotions mm-hmm. um maybe not necessarily like writing a song um because then I, I feel like too much of the human desire to like create something good mm-hmm. comes out yeah but if i just like pick up my guitar when i'm like especially if i'm feeling like anxious or sort of angry and can kind of nine you have the anger thing right i'm i'm trying to (laughs) yeah i'm trying to like find a way to process it and make it come out yeah and sometimes the guitar is like the perfect Mm -hmm. um i don't know uh medium i guess to sort of uh express it and it it usually feels like pretty authentic like if i'm angry it'll be like this sort of like minor chord progression that yeah yeah that I haven't really ever put together and I'm like mm-hmm. oh well yeah maybe I could write that as a song yeah yeah but by the end of it it's like it yeah. fulfilled its purpose yeah, it's out and I did it you know, right it sort of expressed and, that yeah mm-hmm. and yeah maybe I'll come back to it maybe maybe I won't right but, right yeah yeah so I mean it's it's interesting 
right? The creative aspect of humanity, mm-hmm. you know, that we all create something in some ways, right? And though there are variations among, you know, things that people are drawn to as far as small variances in it, there's a pretty good general concept of what what is good when something mm-hmm. is created, you know, what is beautiful or what is delicious, you know, right. or what is, um, you know, what kind of song sounds good, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, I've always, I've always thought it funny that, you know, songs are the average song is what, however many minutes long, what, like a little more than three minutes long yeah, like or three and a half minutes. It's yeah. like, that's like the average song. Like, why is that the perfect amount of time for a song? You right. Know? it's just a funny thing. And if you, if you write a song that's longer than that, everybody's like, well, that's a long song, man. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but if you write one that's like a minute and 48 seconds, they're like, where's, where's the rest, the rest of, the song? of it? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. you know, so it's just this weird, like, you know, why is it that? Right. Is it? Uh-huh. And so there's, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about with our emailer before is like, is it, is it just cause that's the way it's been done and we've gotten used to it. Right. Or is it central to, humanity and and kind of who and what we are mm-hmm. that, that that's an expression of of beauty that we've kind of refined because the whole like you know three and a half minute song that wasn't always a thing right if you look at classical music right oh you yeah know, you get these you know orchestral works that are 45 minutes long you know yeah people sit down for the long haul and here we go you know um but most people that's not the kind of music that they're drawn to they want things that are a little bit more digestible mm-hmm. or whatever. Is that so? Is it yeah? Just an expression of you know humanity, you know, who we are, right? Or like, I mean, um, I mean, sort of in the numerical sense. Um, I know that I know people still come out with albums, but that used to be like a thing. Like, mm-hmm. um, especially when the songs are sort of like thematic in nature, and you're using the entire album to tell a story, mm-hmm. um, and you're like the artists have like put put the songs in a specific order yeah to tell that story and um maybe on their own they're four minutes long or whatever but as a whole it's, oh that's true it's like a yeah. 50 minute story yeah that has been like carefully curated right um in an in like a designed order yeah um to elicit some sort of emotional response yeah. right 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 yeah yeah, it's curious. The, the whole thing is always curious to me. So I guess we're kind of getting sidetracked there, but that's that's what happens as we, you know, when we talk, talk about this stuff. Um, but what Richard Heath is talking about here is that you know some of these ratios and this this sort of mathematical harmony that he's mm-hmm. finding um, throughout the large structures can be sort of viewed through a smaller lens as well. Mm-hmm. We can look at it at a, at a different level, and that makes me think like that's why some of these things happen. You know why beauty is is understood though there are you know small variances not every beautiful flower looks exactly the same there's differences Mm -hmm. but there's a general idea of what a beautiful flower looks like right so um so he uh he's gonna start talking about the the human mind um and human energy and it's pretty neat stuff he says this Medieval thinkers believed that parts of the body correspond with particular planets or constellations of the zodiac. Was this concept a part of an earlier ancient wisdom? Imagine if the worlds of human concept and sensation were separated by the nature and mechanics of our physical bodies. 
Then, when old concepts could no longer connect to the world of the senses because there was no longer any understanding, old wisdom would be lost. It could then be recovered only when that understanding returned. So his his idea there is like when it's almost like atrophy. I think we talked about this a little bit last week, right? If if, if there's a kind of wisdom that doesn't really serve the the population, mm-hmm. right? That that it doesn't connect in the same way, or it's not as useful right. at the time, uh-huh. then it kind of goes away. Uh, but it's not gone, yeah. right? It's just atrophied or gone dormant, right? right. And then there's times when, oh, a, a deeper understanding is necessary, and then that wisdom can actually be brought back. Mm-hmm. That, and that's where this bigger picture that he's driving at is coming from, that right. you know, this is pointing at maybe is, you know, this awakening that's happening, right, among, you know, this is kind of how I think of it and see it, is awakening that's happening among humanity itself of mm-hmm. kind of like, coming into a deeper understanding of what it means to be human and to live a life, right. you know, and, and express humanity in its fullness. Uh-huh. And that, that it ties into something deeper than just, you know, the normal stuff of daily life, right. you know, that there's something bigger happening. Um, and like a, uh, a metaphor that sort of pops in kind of more like surface level is sort of how like farming was the norm like an agricultural sort mm-hmm. of society yeah um and not that farming went dormant obviously there's huge farms but um you know most people don't are like you know industrial revolution came and it was all about like mm-hmm. the cities and the factories and yep um new technologies and things like that mm-hmm. um but now i mean it feels like nowadays there's like a a recommitment to uh, like you hear about farm to table or, you know, right. farmers markets are really popular. Right. People putting in their own gardens. Um, the, uh, like the co-op gardens where, you know, people might not have space of their own, but, mm-hmm. um, so you kind of see, I don't know, that's, it's not a, the perfect metaphor, but it's like a, a parallel to like understanding our, um, our like connection with the earth that yeah. used to be, a huge part of life yeah. that sort of went dormant, yep. I guess, in a way. Yeah. And now sort of maybe surging back to yeah. more popularity. Exactly. Right? Like the, And that's like a short-term example mm-hmm. of exactly what Richard Heath is talking about. Right. Right. You just, you just you know, mentioned something that that's, has a witnessing, a, a, a cycle that we can witness Within, right, within centuries. Within yeah. a couple of centuries, yeah. right? You know, we can look and say, all right, well, forever humans needed to live off the land. And then they thought for a little while, well, we don't need to. We can try something else. And mm-hmm. then there's so many different threads of humanity now that are looking at that and saying, oh, no, actually, we do want to live a little bit closer to the mm-hmm. land kind of thing, right? Yeah. So that's that's what he's saying. Is This is a wisdom that is, mm-hmm. you know, present in in the creation, in the human structure, in the world, the cosmos. Um, but sometimes they go dormant for a little while. Okay. Right. Um, so he says this, this is going to get into a, another really cool topic, which I'll do episodes on also. But this idea describes an ancient, ancient doctrine 
which predicts that a dark age would ensue when mankind would forget the truth entirely and terrible events would occur. The cause of this dark age was read in the sky as the precessional cycle, the changing orientation of the North Pole to the galaxy. Uh, the ancients saw world history emerging out of the sky just as creation had done. The sky was the higher world in a very literal sense, and man was reimagining the cosmic process. Uh, so, procession. Do you know? We've talked about it a little bit. Do you know what I mean when I say procession? Mm. No. Okay. So, procession is, um, you know that the axis of planet earth is tilted right right we've talked about this that's where we get our seasons from right because as we go around the sun it's at a different angle so you take sunlight at a different angle as it hits mm -hmm. the earth gives us winter and gives us summer and then of course spring and fall in between uh so that angle that axis uh that's it's you know points yeah. up and down but it's at an angle off yeah. to the side that angle itself also rotates oh okay okay right so you can you can imagine like a top is spinning right right yeah uh, yeah, I remember you talking about the this. top wobbles though, right? And if you look at it from above, that wobble makes a circle, mm -hmm. right? And you can see it with the top if you spin a top, and, yeah. but it's not spinning perfectly straight up and down. It's spinning off to the side a little bit. You'll see, you know, it's like the classic mm -hmm. like gyroscope where it's kind of like spinning right. but also wobbling at the same time. Mm -hmm. Well, procession, they were able to. I can't, I can't remember the name of the ancient person that that we've credited with figuring it out, but. Um, there was a, there was a, I mean, I think somebody probably knew it before the person that we give credit to, but anyway, they figured out that this cycle, they can measure it in a cycle of when, when it comes all the way back around the circle uh -huh. and it, it takes, uh, well, the number is this 25,920 years. So almost, almost 26,000 years. Right, a little bit less than that, and that number is derived from uh, how many degrees are in the circle? Three hundred sixty degrees in a circle. Okay, and they figured out that in seventy-two years, the arc moves one degree. The the the, the axis moves one degree around the circle. So in, that takes seventy-two years to do one degree. So mm -hmm. seventy-two times three hundred sixty gives you the Twenty-five thousand nine hundred and twenty. Um, okay, that's the the period of the processional cycle of the axis of planet Earth, oftentimes referred to as axial precession, because it's you know it processes around a circle. Right. You know that's the idea. Um, and they were able to figure it out because you know in seventy-two years they could see that the the stars, the way that they looked in the sky and where they were measured, were exactly one degree moved over you know from where they were at the start of the 72 years hmm. so it took a lifetime and they tell their grandkids yeah uh, yeah can like, you keep looking at this funny boy <laughs> i got a story i need to tell you yeah <laughs> yeah it's something like that but i right? don't begin my story before sundown <laughs> i will bring my natty light and i'll tell you about procession <laughs> no it's natty ice not natty light i got that one wrong uh, but yeah, that, I mean, yeah, so they, they did. They had to pass this knowledge, yeah. you know, across generations, right? Um, and and so they sort of, you know, coincide this procession with, um, you know, 
negative events for humankind, right? That that there's like a seasons of dark and light. And mm-hmm. the interesting thing is, is if you measure how precession works, it actually flips the seasons, right? So if you if you get to the opposite side of precession, which is you know roughly thirteen thousand years mm-hmm. from now, you know we would be approaching uh, winter instead of approaching summer, right? Where we are now, so mm-hmm. that's thirteen thousand years. You know? Yeah, because it's halfway through the cycle. It okay. flips the opposite way in June. It would be winter. Yeah, 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 yeah. The beginning of winter. Yeah, because of the way that that axis would be all the sure. way at the other side of the circle. That's right. right. So everything's flipped around. Yeah, right? isn't that cool? That's a cool thought. Yeah, uh, you know, June is not always June. Sometimes, right. Sometimes June's December. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already don't have snow during December, so <laughs> yeah, not exactly. much will change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, so that's. Um, this is an idea that there is, um, there's this, uh, just a bigger, there's a bigger story, mm-hmm. you know, that is told. We so often think of things in small little chunks, but right. that's what he's getting at is there's this bigger, bigger story that's mm-hmm. being told about all this stuff. Um, all right. So do we handle things in small little chunks because it's too overwhelming? Yeah. I think so. And especially now. I mean, look at our culture now. Like we're very intensely like driven by instant gratification, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's amazing the amount of stuff that you can order and it shows up like oh, that yeah. day or the next day, you know? Like we want things immediately and we want them now and we want, you know, and um we don't really think about long-term structures, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so we want to, yeah, I think that's what it is. I think, we, you know, we handle things in these little chunks and we, we assume that there isn't a bigger slice, you know, than the stuff that we can observe. Right. But as right. you, as you start to look at it, there's, there's all these bigger, you know, like sometimes the, the processional cycle is, is talked about as the great year, right? Cause you have, you know, you have the year of the, the planet going around the sun, but then you have the great year of the the whole planet doing a full twist, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so he's talking about that these, these things are, you know, that these processes are, uh, are mirrored down at different levels, right? That it's all because of that golden mean, right? Because of that golden cut, that, that ratio gets cut and you can cut, you can keep doing the golden cut to yeah. things, right? And you can keep breaking them down to smaller and smaller chunks. And as you do that, you know, you get down to times like, you know, we have that you can measure, yeah, right? Like you can measure easily Jupiter and the moon and the way they relate, mm-hmm. right? But what he's saying is that there's a bigger story that that's actually telling. It's not just, oh, I found neat math in this stuff, right? right. What he's saying is I found neat math, but the reason that I found this math is because it's part of this more grand overarching mm-hmm. story. Um, so this is where he gets into the idea of, of human, um, energies, um, and, uh, how they, how they relate. So, uh, let's see the living energies coexist with the related material energies. Um, so again, he's, he's combining this idea of, sort of the vibrational aspect of the cosmos 
okay. like the way that planets spin and, and the way that movement happens, which is that's, you know, that's life is movement and mm-hmm. motion and interaction. Right. But then there's also physical representation of like a, a plant and the way that it grows or a seashell and the way that it's, we have seashells here on our, we've got a new, we've got our new little shelf of interesting oh, podcast yeah. stuff. Do you see that? So we got, um, I've got some crystals over here, my magic wand. I have uh, some seashells there. We've got a little light up moon. Um, I've got some stuff that uh, was sent to me by the Brothers of the Serpent podcast. Uh, shout out to those guys. Uh, there's some ancient arrowheads in there that they've found and sent out to all their listeners. Hmm. Um, and a sticker. And then Lila's microphone cover, <laughs> which she didn't use tonight. You know, she sounded nice and bright. But mm-hmm. um, but seashells, right? So the way that seashells are structured is the physical representation of this same energy. Um, so he, he talks about the energies of, of human life um, being akin and relatable in the human body to earth, water, air, and fire, the four sort of elemental energies that are yeah. talked about throughout the ages. Um, so he, uh, he connects earth energy to um, what's, what he calls constructive energy. Okay. Uh, constructive energy is the uh, life being able to build and replicate through chemical reactions, right? That's how the, that's how the body grows and builds mm-hmm. more of itself, right? Through, so that's related to earth. Um, the relation to water um, mm. is he calls vital energy, um, where uh, this, uh, this understanding has no beginning or end and belongs to a spiritual science that integrates complexity into an inspiring and simple way, in an inspiring and simple way. Uh, vital energy is, um, you know, the sort of the life vitality that's linked to water. Um, the next life energy, he says, is automatic energy. So it's like air. Um, and it's seen as mechanical thought. Um, so it's like when you learn something, but then once you've learned it, you can do it automatically. Yeah. You yeah. know, it reminds us of the autonomic system. Right. Right. Breathing. Yeah. 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 Breathing yeah. just happens. But you, I mean, I, I don't know if you, you, you've experienced this too. Um, you driving stick is like one the first thing that comes oh, yeah. to mind. Yes. Yeah. Like, drive stick shift. You just feel it. You just know what to do. Right. And I, we've talked about this before on the show too, with like playing, you know, playing those piano songs that happen every single Sunday at church because they're part of the regular liturgy. Right. If I don't think about them, if I'm playing that song and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say for the children's message, then it just comes out perfect every time. (laughs) The minute that I have, like, my mind is clear and I can think about playing the song, Mm -hmm. that's just an automatic response. You start playing another song. That's why I screw it up. (laughs) That's why I screw it up. That's why I never want to think about the words to the Lord's Prayer when I'm leading it at (laughs) at church, because if I start thinking about it, I'm going to screw it up. Yeah. You know, if I don't, if I just blah, 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 say it, you know, then it comes right That's out. That's very true. You yeah. Know? As soon as you start thinking like, did I, did I skip a part? Yeah. Then you skip a part. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, they're like the pastor just forgot the Lord's prayer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this blasphemy. Yeah. Let's get a new pastor. <laughs> let's go down to the pastor store and see yeah. what's on sale yeah. today. <laughs> we can always return it. Yeah. <laughs> get it. Get our money back. Yeah. 
but that's automatic energy, right? And he calls that, it's like, it's like air. But again, you connected that immediately to breathing in the autonomic response, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so vital energy is the sort of the life water chemical reactions of the body, right? The mm-hmm. earth energy is that building of the physical structure. Yeah. And then um, the uh, mechanical energy is um, is life, uh, is the one that corresponds to, to fire. Um, yeah. It's like a machine with no driver. So the next life energy is sense. Oh, sorry, not mechanical energy. Sensitive energy is what corresponds to fire. Um, mm. And sensitive energy has to do with feeling things that are out of the ordinary, right? So like if you... Uh, walk into a room and hear or feel something different, right? That's a sensitivity to stimulus. Right. So that's more like the fire. And you feel fire, right? Like it is this response to a stimulus, you know, that's in front of you. What's the, uh, remind me, what's the overarching uh, topic with these, with the four elements? What, um, what's he describing? Like the... He's he's, uh, talking about how the... (laughs) how these energies, uh, the dormant energy idea that we're talking okay. about, sort of the, the dormant right, wisdoms, right. the dormant energies, right? Sure. And how this stuff is actually embedded in us as okay. well, yeah. right? Just like the ratios are embedded in the cosmos, the golden mean. Yeah. Excuse me, uh, too much natty ice. Uh, the golden mean is embedded in all the cosmos, right? But right. these things, like the, the energies of human life, are also not disconnected from all this stuff. Mm-hmm earth, water, air, and fire, which are all essential to okay. all of these things that make up the golden mean, they're essential to human earth life as well. Yeah. yeah. So um, he's getting into this idea um, that life energies are sandwiched. I'm going to be reading just a little chunk here. The life energies are sandwiched between the cosmic and the material realms. They form a bridge where cosmic energies descend to earth and material energies ascend into civilization. This is the real purpose of life and of the biosphere, to mediate between the cosmic process and the material planet. That's really cool to me. Um, so he's saying that this, this energetic connection is what, is what binds this big cosmic stuff that's happening to the actual physical Earth. You know, yeah, and that it's like this conduit that links the two, which I think is really cool, uh, just as a general philosophical idea. But it's also something that I remember hearing in our theological studies as well. I've mm-hmm. I've heard it told, you know, when when they talk about you know God God's creation of of humanity and it's you know living in the creation that it's it's a reflection. You remember this? It's, it's uh, humanity is a uh, reflection of the creation to God and a reflection of the God back to the creation, mm-hmm. right? So it's like humanity becomes this kind of conduit in between, right? Right. And so I, you know, just that's an idea that now I've, I read it in this book, which this clearly is a book about math and ratios mm-hmm. by a guy who's like a computer scientist, right? you know, and, and then you hear it in theology classes, you know, and, and you see it in, you see it in mythology and you mm-hmm. see it. So again, this matrix of creation is kind of coming, coming out. Right? Yeah. I, lo- I mean, the, um, sort of like the large 
extended time period of things um how it can be connected to like the the very short term like i remember um one of our professors talking about the worship service mm-hmm. as a prelude uh to and an echo of or yeah 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 right sort mm-hmm. of like uh of to life yep right yep to the week but then the week you know, right. is connected to something bigger, right? Yeah. And once again, this is just all this cutting up of time, right? right? Yeah. Smaller and smaller chunks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a quarter life crisis is like, okay, I'm 25. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. okay, that was a prelude. All of my life before was a prelude to, yeah, like what's coming up, and then right. the next 25 will be an echo, yeah, of my first 25 years, or you know, it's kind yeah. of like. And this explains why, if you keep cutting it down, is why I have a crisis every afternoon at 2.30. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, ah, no, 2.30 yeah. crisis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Where am I in my body clock right now? I hate that. Wait, right. I made it through the morning. I'm not yeah. going to die. Yeah, no, I'm not going to, because you only die in the morning. Which <laughs> <laughs> right. is why yeah. you drink the natty ice Obviously. at night. I survived yeah. another day. The yep. sun is down. Give me the natty, yeah. look, natty ice. <laughs> All right. Make uh, some memories. So I got I got to skip ahead if I'm going to make it through the rest of these because uh, we're getting off on tangents, which is good though. I mean, you can uh, always keep uh, dividing it up. Even I more, could, right? I could, but I have to. This has to conclude on 33. <laughs> I kind of I'm stuck to that. Yeah, unless yeah. I kick you out of next week's episode and just keep going. <laughs> You're like great, and then I can work harder on my preparations. Um, all right, so uh, I needed to get to that part because he talks about the true purpose of life, right? He says, this mm-hmm. is the real purpose of life and of the biosphere to mediate between the cosmic process and the material planet. So that's the meaning of life, according to Richard Heath. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying I endorse that completely. I have to understand it a little bit better. But, but when you're reading a book and somebody says, this is the real purpose of life. I figured we should share that with people because everybody's always asking that right. question. Yeah. <laughs> what does it all mean? What does it all mean? Um, all right. Uh, so he talks about then that um, because of this relationship, life must support the cosmos, uh, especially the moon. Um, if the right energies cannot be produced by the biosphere... Mm-hmm. then lower energies in much larger quantities are demanded by the system through destructive events such as war and other catastrophes. In other words, ignorance of these energy systems is deadly and also inefficient. The cosmos needs evolution to become conscious, generating higher energies in exchange for human development. Right. So it's like, it's the idea of like the biosphere of planet earth almost needing to adapt Mm -hmm. so that it can serve its purpose right so that it can grow uh and serve its purpose to reflect the cosmos down into the physical world right and then also reflect that miniature physical world up into the greater scale of the cosmos and if it's not doing that it's going to naturally readjust and adapt Mm -hmm. right because if there's you know if we're not creating enough higher energy, then you got to create a lot more lower energy to make it up. And that's what he says. That's why we're, that's why there's wars, which, okay. I, I don't know if I totally agree, but it's an interesting idea. Yeah. I really like that. There's a cool idea there. Um, okay. So now we're going to get into, uh, I'm just going to hit a couple of things here. Um, so, uh, he's talking about now, uh, myth, 
right? and how myth actually relates to this whole thing as well. So okay. we're going to get a little bit of Zeus and, and Hera and mm. Athena. And do you remember, do you remember Hephaestus? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Hephaestus, I think is how you say it. You ever, you ever heard of that? That mythical character? <laughs> no. No? Not, not getting him. You heard of Zeus. Thunder. Yeah. yeah. And Hera. Hera. And Athena. Athena, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. What about Aphrodite? Oh, yeah. Ares. Ares, yeah. yeah God okay. of War. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you've heard of them. Okay, they're going to come up yeah. later. Uh, but Hephaestus, all right? So I think I'm just going to say that, that it that way. I don't know if it's really right. Um, so what he's doing is uh, he's saying that, because we're going to get back into the planets here, because what he's, what he's showing us is that myth is not really myth is not really just stories that are made up to give people meaning right yeah because that's that's what always is said about ancient peoples oh they didn't have any meaning to their life because they didn't have iphones and we all know the meaning of life is the next iphone right so they're like these stupid people needed meaning and so they created these vast stories right mm-hmm. that's kind of the general narrative that is right. told right so what he's talking about is that these myths actually are related in a much deeper way to the ratios that he's discovering out there so that these myths are actually a way for this knowledge to become a part of the human right. structure right so uh Zeus and uh and Hera are uh connected to Jupiter um in sort of the mythical traditions um and the moon is connected to Athena um and uh, Athena is, um, well, I'll just read this a little bit here. Um, Athena is considered a moon goddess and coming from Jupiter's head is a perfect uh, representative of the relationship of the moon to Jupiter's synodic period. We already talked about that in the last episode, that the moon and Jupiter are related that way. Mm-hmm. And Athena has been considered the moon goddess, right? Um and so now we hear this, a similar unnatural child named Hephaestus emerges from Hera, uh, which is the orbit of Jupiter. He is born ugly and lame. Hera rejects him and drops him from Mount Olympus into the ocean that surrounds it. This is the lunar orbit. So Mount Olympus is Earth. Okay. And the ocean that surrounds it is the lunar orbit. This is These are the connections he's making. Hephaestus represents the orbit of the moon, not the luminary herself. So he's not Athena, the moon goddess herself. He is the orbit, right? Uh, He's the orbital period. He is the lunar orbital period divided by 25, a number that is initially lame because it does nothing until its ramifications are consolidated. And we all know that about the number 25. Its ramifications aren't consolidated and it doesn't do anything until they are. That's what he said. I know five times five is 25. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's because it doesn't fit into those larger number structures that until you start to, you know, multiply it or divide it. Um, So the story of Hephaestus is a timeline that describes in the technical language of myth, the simultaneous relationships within the planetary matrix his orbital role representing representing Jupiter becomes dominant and transforms the lunar orbit into the golden mean, connecting the moon to Jupiter through lunar phenomena. So uh, Hephaestus is um, then this 
this character that is connected to the moon, connected through Athena to Jupiter, um, and therefore the story that he's a part of is a story that relates to this greater matrix of creation, this greater, mm-hmm. you know, ratio structure that's throughout all of it. Um, and, uh, so then they get, <laughs> he gets into this, I'm, I'm going to just paraphrase this quickly, but he gets into this, uh, there's a story where Hephaestus creates uh, a golden throne. Um, and this is in the myth, creates yeah. a golden throne, right. um, that did, are you familiar with this? Have you heard this? No, no, this is, I mean, I, I say those things now naturally. Just oh, you just to make me feel good. <laughs> no, to, to, well, to let you know I'm listening. Oh, thank you. You're an active listener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they taught you that in your internship, didn't they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, so the idea is that, uh, he is attracting Hera to sit in this is the story in the myth that he attracts Hera to sit on the golden throne and then she gets trapped there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so this is all connecting into um, a relationship with Venus. This, this golden colored planet mm-hmm. and how that is this connected to the golden throne. And, and so long story short, what we're f- <laughs> Because <laughs> you're giving me those sounds. No, no I was, no, I was, like, you, yeah, no. I, I mean, yeah. Men are from Mars. Women are from yeah, Venus. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I just yeah, all yeah, these yeah, exactly. little jokes. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, there's this awesome diagram right there, and that explains the whole thing. Yeah, obviously. So, yeah, uh, the golden throne. Um, but it is how the lunar orbit connects to the Jupiter synodical period, which connects to um, the something to do with Venus. <laughs> and, and it's all this, uh, this idea of creating um, a, an actual mathematical relationship that describes the myth itself, right? So what, what he's really saying, I, I, could, I could go into all that, but it's just going to take too long and be too confusing on a podcast. But what he's really saying is that the myth is not not so much a myth that is just a nice story that's created mm-hmm. or just to even just to explain why they see something in the sky that it's actually connected to these much deeper relationships right so it's connected to that deeper wisdom right mm-hmm. and that's connected to the need for for higher energy in the world right so it's it's all yeah. this it's all connected to this like there's this bigger wisdom that we're missing there's this greater wisdom that is that is out there for humanity to be a part of mm-hmm. that has maybe gone dormant but maybe is coming back to a degree right right and and this is showing that it's there that it's actual actually a real thing that's you know true and can be deciphered mm-hmm. you know it's complex uh, but really it all comes down to the same ratio being, you know, sort of built into everything, mm-hmm. but it's into the myths themselves too. All right. So I promised, uh, I promised flirty planets. Yeah. So, um, although it, it is interesting though, like how this goes back to your first episode, right? Right. Material, yeah, smashing yeah. materials. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where like. I guess just our viewpoint of the Greek mythologies mm-hmm. and sort of like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, ancient people who didn't know anything. Um, 
making up stories. Yeah. Like you said. But, I mean, or were they deeply in touch with um, the non-material? Yeah. Like, they had a, a deeper sense of what was going on because they weren't distracted by Netflix. Right, right. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Right? They, like, yeah. they needed to figure out their own entertainment and this was like mm-hmm. well let's look into like how we exist and like yeah the the world around us right right um and leave these cool stories for you know future generations yeah. to maybe figure it out as well because we all like stories yeah and then we just thought they were you know yeah telling whatever Right, right. Campfire stories. Right. To yeah. Make, like, make fun things up. And, yep. Oh, guess what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hera came out of uh, Zeus's head. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I like the I like the spin on the the sort of dry old crusty yeah. idea that we have about these things. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, and that's exactly what he, what he's talking about. So there's there's one. Um, you ever heard of Mantania's Parnassus? No, I mean I'm not. Is that another? <laughs> no, it's a it's a piece of art. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, but it depicts, um, yeah, it depicts Ares and Aphrodite, right? Um, and uh, this is Hephaestus is in here. This is Hephaestus over here. And I remember Hephaestus represents the lunar the orbit. orbit. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's him over here in the corner. Mm-hmm. I, this is not great on a podcast, but uh, he's off on the side. There's all these yeah. muses dancing below. You can look it up. It's the nine muses dance below Ares and Aphrodite, right? It's, you mm-hmm. can search it. We'll put a link in the show notes to it. But Ares and Aphrodite are up here, you know, right together up on this top spot here. Um, yeah. There's the golden thrones back there. Venus. Um, yeah. There's something to do with Venus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, what what's happening here is he says Hephaestus is at his forge, gesturing gesturing angrily towards his unfaithful wife Aphrodite, mm. uh, who's been flirting with Ares, the god of war, Mars, right? Yeah, uh, or perhaps Which. casting his numerical net, right? Because this is that throne, the golden throne that she's trapped in. Who's casting right. in the net? Ares. Hephaestus. Oh, Hephaestus yeah. is. Yeah, and so uh, he he gets into this thing that um, that Mars and Venus have this uh, have this connection where they they have sort of a flirtatious relationship. If you start to look at the the numbers, kind of like the yeah, like how the orbits uh, yeah. equate. Yeah, yeah. So um, so there's there's a connection of um, seventeen Mars sidereal periods, uh, Venus's synodic period, the Earth's practical year, and um, lunar lunations. Right. Those four, if you take those four numbers, um, the same numbers, the same relationships pop up in all of them. So uh, Mars and Earth relate at a at a period of 32. Venus and the moon relate at a period of 32. Right. Wow. Um, and then uh, Mars and Venus relate at a period of 20, while Earth and the moon relate at a period of 20. Right. So those this 20 and 32 relationship pops up. And it's and it's, you know, if you take those different aspects and you bring them together, then they um and they start to begin to develop this connection between Hephaestus is the mm-hmm. moon, right? And he's in the middle <laughs> of all this because Venus is on one side and Aries is on the other and yeah. um, Venus being Aphrodite, right? And so he's Aphrodite's his wife, but uh, she's got all these numerical connections going on with Mars. And uh, so that <laughs> the actual um, caption of that... Uh, 
that little diagram with those numbers in it is Mars flirts with Venus in a 2032 net. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was great. Um, And so this this is his description of that. These numbers, 20 and 32, reincarnate in a higher register using another diamond to create a period 32 practical years long. This is 20 Venus synods long, as well as 17 Mars sidereal periods. A relationship with Mars is developing here. A side, uh, a sidereal flirtation that could lead to whole number interplanetary sex. But how can this occur? These diamond shapes are turning into nets, which is exactly how ancient mathematicians viewed the parallel development of two numbers to form a symmetrical shape, such as a square or rectangular number. The first set of 2032 catches a lusty fish, Mars. But what kind of net will properly catch Venus? The ratio of a Mars synod to a Venus synod is four to three. It's that simple. In four Venus synods, there are three Mars synods. Having made this net, our lovers are naturally and eternally going to be caught in it. They have made their bed and they must lie in it. I just thought that was hilarious. I just thought that was hilarious. He's like, you know, it takes him 70 pages, but he gets there, you know? (laughs) This is what he wanted to talk about. (laughs) This is what he really wanted to talk about. He's like, "Hmm." he could have just written a country song. (laughs) Yeah. But he decided to write a book. (laughs) Yeah, I just thought that was great. Uh, So I had to... Does that mean, like, the... Like, how Mars and Venus interact with each other, like eternally because of their orbits mm-hmm. have this like special <laughs> relationship yeah yeah so it's a it's it's a mathematical net um which he talks about being something that an ancient you know mathematician would understand mm-hmm. right that that's how they would go about understanding because you know you start linking diamonds together and you make a net right mm-hmm. that's what that's the shape of the holes in, in right. a lot of nets are yeah, these yeah, diamonds yeah. right so yeah. You, yeah i've been fishing yeah, you've been fishing, you know, so, so, but enough of those and it makes a net, right? Uh-huh. So anyway, um, so that's what he's saying is that it, it relates to the myth that okay. the actual, the actual ratio relationship between Venus and Mars, if you take the traditional mythical relationships that those planets have mm-hmm. to mythical characters, sure. that the story in the myth actually does connect to the mathematical re- ratios. Yeah. So he's he's making it cute and talking about flirtatious planets, right? right that are having you know interplanetary sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. But but what he's really saying is, what's happening in the myth is not just related to somebody looking up at the sky and saying, "Oh, we have to have a story for Venus." He's saying it's it has to do with an understanding of the math that he's yeah. talking about, right? So it's not just there's a deeper there's a deeper understanding and wisdom in humanity of these ratios of this structure for these myths to exist is really what he's saying, which right. is why it's so interesting to me. It's not just interesting to me because they're, you know he's talking dirty about planets. It's interesting to me because what it points to is that these myths have much deeper connections to the cosmos mm-hmm. and an understanding of what was really going on on a big picture, large scale. I mean, you have to connect, you know, how many 17 of Mars sidereal periods, right? Which is how, 
you know, how long it takes to go around the sun, right? Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to, you have to take 17 of those to yeah. make it match with Venus to, to create this relationship that is described in the myth. Right. Right. So you have to study this stuff for a long yeah. time. You have to have a, you know, or, or you have to have some other deeper intrinsic knowledge mm-hmm. of it. You either have to study it a lot or you have to have a deeper intrinsic knowledge of it. Well, it's kind of like, um, I mean, maybe, maybe going out of my lane here, but, um, like music theory. I mean, there's, uh, you, uh, you're, you have a better chance of like creating a, a song that sounds beautiful, just sounds like it works. If you understand like the circle of fourths. Mm-hmm. Or something, right? Like, yeah. if you have deep understanding of music theory, you're able to mm-hmm. build this sort of beautiful story, which yep. it kind of like it sounds like what you're describing, yeah. right? Like, yeah. they had this deep knowledge of how of planetary interaction and the equations necessary. Yeah, and then they could build. Are you almost saying like these myths came after the knowledge? Yeah, the myths so were a way the, to describe the knowledge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This this deeper knowledge that the, yeah that's what he's saying mm-hmm. you know yeah it's very cool um, all right uh, I think that's all that I have for these chapters um, yeah because he just he wraps it up a little bit but I don't need to add any more to that we're in a good spot so I got three chapters left to go in this uh-huh. book um, which we'll pick up three for thirty three three for thirty three yeah pretty excited yeah. Um, and it's, it's, they're going to get into music too. So okay, three times three is nine, and yeah. nine planets, and yeah. Well, and for a little a, while, Pluto wasn't a planet, but yeah. You know. And it's a special episode, so I'm going to go ahead and, and just go out there and like you know try to egg myself on to to create some new bumper music for episode. Oh 33. wow! Yeah. Okay, because we might just throw in bumper music's in between each you know chapter seven, eight, and nine. Next, you know, oh yeah yeah break up the middle segment with some bumper music mm-hmm. new stuff because i got the studio now set up we're yeah. gonna go to town you have the deep knowledge of music theory yeah we all know i so. know the circle of thirds <laughs> the Very circle well. of thirds <laughs> <laughs> but i like the circle of ninths better yeah <laughs> it's good nine's a good number mm. yeah. uh okay so uh i'm done with my presentation and you know you can come back in a few minutes and <laughs> drink some natty ice and tell us what you thought (laughs) (laughs) all right we're gonna take a short break we'll be right back to wrap things up here at the music of the spheres podcast thanks for listening we'll uh, be right back
for two reasons. You could. Two One reasons. was the change in the music, which I've gotten used to in this bumper music. Yeah, I know it's getting. I gotta get. Gotta get some new fresh stuff in here for episode thirty-three. I mean, yeah. we'll keep these ones. We'll keep these ones. Right. But we'll, we can add. We can well, add. You just, yeah, you just promised everybody. I did. I, yes. I've Whoever is listening to 31 is <laughs> expecting two episodes from now. Yeah. Waiting with bated breath. That's two weeks. That's... People are writing things on their calendar right yeah. now. They got yeah. the old like flip one that's like the size of your checkbook. Yeah. You know? They got that out with like June 21. New bumper music. <laughs> I hope somebody does that and yeah. like takes a picture of it. We're going to get our first angry email if we don't. Now. <laughs> yeah. right. We still haven't gotten one of those. We said something wrong or offensive or something like that. Right. And yeah. yeah. Or people just don't like the topic. Like, uh-huh. Stop talking about that. Yeah. So. The second reason was because you pointed at me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't really point at you. I pointed at the ceiling above you. Yeah. <laughs> and I figured. Uh, I thought that would be cooler. Yeah. You know. Close. I, I'm the only other person in the room, so maybe I should say something. <laughs> yes, he doesn't want that wall to talk, so I must. <laughs> um, what what kind of came to mind? Because I, um, you know, I interjected maybe a little more than I usually do. So um, I feel like some of my segment was part of segment two. But yeah, yeah, you definitely stole some of my minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's- yeah. Which is okay because I do that to you every time. It's your segment. <laughs> yeah, a little taste of yeah. taste of your own medicine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to. I have to do that. Now. I have to be like, wait, 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 wait. Stop talking. Save it for segment three. <laughs> I don't even know my own format of my own podcast. <laughs> I, it's, I don't know. I like. I like the interaction um, when you interrupt. Well, it gives you an opportunity to drink more beer. Right. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is just what I need before I. Drive home, yeah. Yeah. Drink this. Well, and the ices I find are like, mm. I mean, they're a little stronger than yeah, the other true. yellow beers. So that's true. Like, whoa, is this yeah. whiskey? Yeah, <laughs> this is beer. Um, well, maybe it's just because of um, you know, what I'm studying and what I spend, you know, a good chunk of each day doing. Um, but what you were talking about sort of reminded me of two sort of theories or approaches in uh, the therapeutic world. Oh, really? That kind of feel like they they sort of uh, could work themselves into this mm-hmm. um, idea. And the, and the first, and I don't know if you've uh, heard about narrative therapy. No, no. But I mean, I, I guess I could, yeah, take a guess at what it is. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I've never heard of it. Yeah. I mean, do you want to guess? Um, I, I would guess that it has to do with um, in, inviting people to into the process of discerning, first discerning their story, then being able to tell their story and find their place in the larger story mm-hmm. and then owning it as, you know, as a part of who they are. And mm-hmm. not not rejecting it, right? And not being able to just being able to accept this is my story, and uh-huh. and then finding the parts of it that can empower right. rather than latching onto the parts that you know break down. That would be my guess. 
No, I mean, that's, uh, it sounds like you've like, <laughs> I mean, at the very least, it sounds like you understand sort of like yeah. the therapeutic, uh, yeah. um, well, that's what, that's at least what Wikipedia says when I just punched it up over here. <laughs> no, you didn't. For all the listeners, he didn't. Uh, all right. All right. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, that's basically in a nutshell, it's like, mm-hmm. um, using, yeah, using story to, um, understand self, understand, mm-hmm. um, the decisions you've made, um, and then kind of understand, um, the knowledge you've gained, um, whether, you know, negative or, or positive. Yeah. Um, and how you want to, how you want to be honest about that story, mm-hmm. but like, like what's the next chapter you want to write as well. Oh, right. Right. Um, yeah. So. realizing that you then have the freedom to write a chapter. Right. Cause I think that's a lot Again, of it. Yeah. That's a big challenge too. Uh-huh. Is like feeling like my story has just been foisted upon me. Right. And then, you know, how do you, how do you sort of take the reins of that and say, no, I can't, I can't actually write next chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, the, I really liked the idea of, um, the knowledge needed about, the world around them mm-hmm. and these ancient um, developers of what we call myths, mm-hmm. you know, and how the myths might uh, or are maybe factually grounded in yeah. this, um, you know, sort of intricate mathematic um, mosaic like yeah. uh, paradigm. Yeah. Of sorts. Yeah. That was all around them in their lives and they could, um, so in a way it's like, it was like their sort of style of narrative therapy of like, um, we're understanding this, uh, the story happening around us. We're going to sort of, uh, harness it and tell a little bit about what it means but then also sort of like write something new, yeah. Uh, create something beautiful out of it, yeah. Um, that kind of tells a little bit about who we are, a little bit about what we understand, mm-hmm. but also showcases our creativity, yeah. Um, and you know, let let others interpret it as they will. Mm-hmm. We don't really care how they interpret it because we're comfortable with like yeah. who we are. Like that's also right, right. that would also be part of narrative is like yeah your story is special to you because yeah. it's yours. Right. Right. And yeah, you know, it doesn't matter what other people think about your story. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I wonder too, um, with that idea of sort of, the, they were able to own it, right. Mm-hmm. If, if they're, if they're creating the myths as a narrative description of something that they actually understood, right. You know, to be a greater, uh, structure that's around them and, and then their need to interact with that, mm-hmm. you know, because like he talked about the biosphere and the purpose for the biosphere is to, is to interact with these sort of larger and smaller worlds or, you know, the, the vibrational and the physical worlds. Right. Um, so they needed to know it. So they, for them, the myth creators, right. Then it was about, you know, an, an easy way to describe that. Um, and, and so I wonder if like for them, like telling these myths, if it was just like, if it was known 
a, a known understanding that all these connections were there. Right. Right. And that the myth was just a, a way of talking about it. Just yeah. like Lila was talking before about number, you know, and it being a way to describe how many things are around. We just use it like a language. Mm-hmm. Right? The myth was like a language to describe stuff that they already understood. Yeah. But this myth was a, a language. But then, you know, those stories, because people are so narrative driven when uh, cataclysms happened or, you know, knowledge was lost. Right. You know, that's all that is preserved. So mm-hmm. as people go forward into time, right, they just have these stories about Zeus and Athena right. and Hera and Hephaestus. And, you know, it's like that's all yeah. they have left. And they're just like they just tell the story, but it's not anymore. It's no longer connected, you know, yeah. like it would have been in the original culture that brought right. it forth. Yeah. Yeah. Like the I mean, the anthropological nature of it, mm-hmm. I think. Time has a way of sort of um, dismissing that aspect of it, mm-hmm. where, like in the in real time, it was kind of also like helping them share their culture, right? Right, and their sort of like humanity. Yeah. Um, but that stuff kind of gets lost, right? Um, like I think about, I mean, we we both took Hebrew. Um, you were better at it than I was because you won that award. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did win um, the Hebrew award, and now I right. now I stare at your uh, your Hebrew Bible in uh, the church office every right. week. I put it right um, there where you can see. Yes, it. <laughs> it's right there. I was like, oh yeah, I'm sure he's read you know the the whole uh, Old Testament. I read it backwards. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it's written that way. Because it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was a dad joke if I ever had one. <laughs> I read it backwards. I read the Hebrew. Yeah, Bible like badly. even a dorkier dad joke because you have to know that Hebrew yeah. is written yeah. this is, right this to is, left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Talk about cringy. Yeah, Ooh, I know. Dad. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Are my friends around? Uh, I don't know this guy. <laughs> He's talking about Hebrew again. Cover your ears. <laughs> um, but thinking of just like uh, the way... Certain words like a sh- like shalom, mm-hmm. you know, it just through time it has just become peace, right? Right, like it's just yeah, that's that's what it means to mm-hmm. modern folk mm-hmm. um, on a surface level. You yeah. go back and read read it in you know the Hebrew Bible or yeah, you know your professor talks about it, <laughs> yeah, um, and you like understand the deep rich quality. Um, that is way more than peace, right? So, mm-hmm. I don't know. That kind of stuff interests me. Like the anthropological nature of who's who's writing that piece um, at a specific time um, in a specific culture with uh, knowledge gained mm-hmm. and some of that uh, groundwork or behind the scenes work gets lost to history. Yeah. Um, and we end up with peace <laughs> yeah. here as right. modern people. Yeah. yeah. So that, like that whole like lost in translation sort of game of telephone, you know, and, and part of it that, that I think <clears throat> that I find kind of frustrating, but also is kind of one of the reasons that we're doing this show mm-hmm. um, is that what happens in those scenarios when the, when things get pared down, Right. Somebody will say shalom means peace. Right. You know, and, and somebody will say shalom. What does that mean? Well, it means peace. Right. 
And and so what a person is saying when they say that is, you know, they're just they're perpetuating that narrow understanding of where it comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it it's um, it's essentially just carrying forward this lack of wisdom and knowledge that yeah. was there before, but then has been lost, right? And so um, I, I think that's what we can that's what we can do if we if we look at these things through this lens when mm-hmm. we look at these you know these relationships that are being described in these in these myths and things like that when we see like wow there's there was really a much deeper understanding happening here by yeah. the people that have given us what we have that we've just been the last recipients in a game of telephone mm-hmm. as it's come through the ages and then we say from our perspective, listening to the end of the telephone, we say, oh, this is how it was. This is what it must have been. Yeah. Right. And then we just sort of have that as our base. And then we build on that and we say, all right, well, then, you know, this is how these people must have lived and this is how they must have done things. And this is why they must have written these myths. And right. this is, you know, and that's all built on us getting the very last we were the last person in the line of the game of telephone, uh-huh. you know, and we're and we're claiming that we we can understand fully the original message, right. just because we are smart, right? And we are very smart, and we're very technologically advanced, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that we can understand, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, what the original telephone message was, right? You know, yeah, yeah. And then I want to introduce you to. Uh a man named Yuri Bronfenbrenner. Nice. That's yeah. a good one. How do you feel about that? It name? sounds like a very delicious sandwich. <laughs> I'll, I'll have, have the, the Bronfenbrenner. Bronfenbrenner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. He's, uh, so he's got a lot of whole grain mustard, I think. <laughs> um, so I'll kind of show you. Uh, here's a picture of his ecological systems theory model. Okay. We'll to put that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but... Maybe you can tell why I was sort of why I thought of Bronfenbrenner because it sort of looks like orbits. Oh yeah, um, you know his ecological systems mm-hmm. model, which was really about like child development. Yeah. Um. So the different sort of um. I mean, it's like concentric circles, right? Is that what that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is. Um, yeah, circles within circles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, children developing in these different spaces. Okay. Um, so first is like the individual, just how they develop. The next is the microsystem, which is like the main interactions the child has. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, parents, um, school, like teachers, mm-hmm. peers at school, okay, and siblings. Um, and if you know if grandparents are often involved, that kind of thing, family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the mesosystem. So, I mean, I guess I started thinking about these because you're talking about the interaction, like the lunar orbit yeah. and Mars and Venus um, and how there's really like, I mean, there's um, a lot of uh, meaning built into the like equations of how they're yeah. interacting with and and how that sort of creates uh what each body is and does and mm-hmm. um you know how it interacts with with the other yeah celestial bodies right. around them yeah um, so this i mean this kind of describes how children mm-hmm. uh 
like their orbits, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, it's a very popular model because it makes a lot of sense, right? Mm-hmm. So you have that micro system, and then you have the meso system, which is when, when like people in the microsystem are interacting mm-hmm. sort of apart from the child. Yeah. So if like parents and teachers, if they have a good relationship, mm-hmm. it'll bode well for the child. Yeah. That kind of thing. Okay. Um, if siblings and teachers, like older siblings, especially if they're like having good relationships with their teachers, it will probably positively impact the, yeah, the child. Um, and then you kind of get to the exosystem where it's like people that, could influence the child's life, uh, like where where your parents work, mm-hmm. um, and did your parents have a good day at work when they came home? Yeah, what were they bringing home from work? Right. Right. You know that kind of stuff. Okay, um, and then you have the macro system, which is sort of like um, political systems, culture, right, um, economics, social norms. Yeah, that the child is learning, and then finally the um, the Chronos system, which oh, cool. Chronos time, yeah. right? Um, I'll say a little bit more about that right here. Um, you know, environmental changes that occur over the lifetime. Yeah. Um, so major life right. uh, transitions and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you can make, you can see how that would be a popular model. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is it visual, um, but it sort of explains interaction. Yeah. It kind of shows the the kind of like circular mm-hmm. nature of of yeah. our <laughs> yeah. lives. And like, you know, we have these, we learn and then we grow and then yeah. we make mistakes and then we learn from them. And then we, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's kind of like how, how life works. Right. Um, but just, I, I got thinking about how, maybe human behavior is and like development could also like be like those equations and those, um, you know, various numerical sort of, uh, realities mm-hmm. could also be lived out in just like our human development and yeah. interaction and how, you know, Lila goes from 11 to 12 and, mm-hmm. um, seems to be like more adult like every yeah <laughs> you know every moment um, yeah yeah and how all those different worlds are interacting for her and that kind of thing yeah yeah no it, it's it's neat because in that in that model that you just were showing me and then describing like you you see how you know all sides of those or all scales of those different structures Mm-hmm. influence one another across you know the the very small the very minute influences upward into the larger mm-hmm. scale right but then the larger scale also influences sure. downward into the small mm-hmm. right it's and it is all interconnected and uh, there's a part in the book that I, I skipped over um because i didn't do everything that was in there obviously i would love people to purchase this book uh matrix of creation there's a link in the show notes mm-hmm. for it go get it um support uh, support richard heath and the work he's doing but um there's there was a part in there where we talked about spiral galaxy right and and how spiral galaxies are connected to the you know the golden mean and the way that they're structured mm-hmm. and uh but it made me think that you know the the spiral arms of a galaxy are are that way because of the gravitational interactions between oh, the yeah. different bodies that are a part of it right mm-hmm. 
they, they all tugging on one another. So the center of it influences the very outer yeah. limits and vice versa. Right. right. They're all, and it's all one cohesive unit, mm-hmm. but then galaxies are part of galaxy clusters, right? And, you know, clusters, galaxy clusters are part of bigger threads right. that run through the cosmos yeah. that are all, you know, and so, and it all, so we oftentimes think, you know, we're this little planet sitting here just, you know, on a rock floating around in space, but it's actually way more interconnected than all of that. And maybe that's one of the things that these, you know, these originators of the myths were trying to communicate because mm-hmm. hey you know this we can take this story and tell it in human terms because yeah. it's all the same story so we can tell it in the stories of these mythological characters that look like humans and right. have interactions like humans you know like giving birth and having relationships and all this stuff you can tell it like that but it's all one story and that's kind of cool to think about it in that regard you know, and, and so it made me think as you were talking about that, that this, you know, the model that you were describing can describe, you know, any human being, right? And mm-hmm. the way that their life develops and the way that they grow. Yeah. Not perfectly, you know, to a T, but it can, you know, there's language for description there. Yeah. Same thing with uh, this golden mean and these mythical stories and solar systems. I wonder if other solar systems, you know, follow similar patterns of of the way that they structure themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we haven't really studied those. Well, we're just now over the last, you know, decade or so really being able to identify exoplanets and find other planets out in the galaxy that are orbiting their stars, Mm -hmm. you know, but usually it's limited to being able to find just really big ones. Right you now, because they're easier to detect. Yeah. Than the yeah, finding one. the ones that are Earth-like in the habitable zone. Yeah. Right? And it's like, yeah, they're harder to find because yeah. they don't. You know, they're not big and bright, and they don't pull on their star the same way, which is usually how they're discovered. Right. Yeah. Right. A, wob- a wobble. Yeah. A wobble by a star yeah. is a big planet tugging on it. Right. And then yeah. the the light diminishing from a star is a big planet going in front of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's it's so hard to um to to find them. Right. So, but I wonder as we discover more and more about that, will we see, you know, there's kind of a pattern to these solar systems and the way that they're structured, you know, Mm -hmm. that these things kind of fall into these places, just, you know, the same way a a maple leaf that grows on a a maple in this continent will be on a different continent, (laughs) maple tree that's like, doesn't even know the other one exists and it'll grow a leaf that looks exactly the same, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) like that. There's no reason that that can't be the way it is in the solar system and right. the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if the designs are kind of um, accordion-like, right, going out and, and yeah. coming back in, it yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that would happen. Yeah. So more more for us to explore, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Right. In episode thirty-three. In episode thirty-three, <laughs> where now there's going to have to be new bumper music. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, maybe it'll be in three-four time. Who yes, knows? and it'll be in three-three time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, uh, three. That sounds that sounds complicated. Three-three <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The dotted half note gets the beat. <laughs> Everybody loves that. <laughs> um, All right. Um, do you have anything else to, you wanted to throw in there? I think that, I think I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we appreciate uh, what you what you showed us. There, I will link to the um, the diagram you were talking about. Yeah, in the Yuri, show notes Yuri's well. uh, yes, 
the Braun from Bremen. I guess later in his yeah yeah it sounds like a a hamburger yeah like a different kind of thing. he's a Braun from Brenner with sauerkraut. <laughs> <laughs> I guess later in his life he added something else, but I I'm not as familiar with that. My my advisor is a big uh, Braun from Brenner yeah fan. Yeah, so with a name like that, it has he, to be. Good. He talked about him like all the time. <laughs> Ad nauseum, almost. But. Yes, yes. Well, if you eat too many Bronfenbrenners, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're gonna need okay. some Pepto. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have some ad nauseum. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, there you go. We're halfway. No, we're two thirds of the way through um, Matrix yeah, of Creation. That's math. That's sixty-six. I almost messed up the math yeah. in the math book. Yeah. <laughs> um, really fun book and. Um, I recommend you go get it, Matrix of Creation by Richard Heath. I got mine from Inner Traditions, uh, so head over to Inner Traditions and get that. We'll put a link so you can find it. Um, we drank Natty Ice tonight. That was really fun. Um, it's definitely the harshest of the it's ice the beers we've had. beers. Yes. Yeah, it's the <laughs> diluted whiskey of ice beers. Yeah, so. it's not like a, a scotch yeah. ale. Yeah, it's, it's concentrated just... beer with diluted whiskey. That's yeah. really what we have on our hands here. <laughs> Very interesting beer. It is crispy in the finish, but then yeah. you realize I think that's just like the boozy character that you get. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. All right. Well, we got a few more of those to get through in the fridge, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Headaches for everyone. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so th- uh, send an email to the show at brothers at music of the spheres podcast. Uh, check us out on the socials and tell us what you think. Um, tell your friends, please uh, tell anyone you can think of to head over to our website, uh, music of the spheres podcast.com. There you can find all the links to different platforms where you can find our show. So if somebody listens on a different platform, they'll find it there and uh, share it with your friends and uh, keep spreading the, the good music of the spheres news. And, uh, Thanks for joining us in our new studio tonight, and uh, we'll continue to broadcast from here now. That'd be good. All right. Good, Jay? <laughs> yeah, I think so. You want to say anything else about the Natty Ice? or uh, It's ice brewed <laughs> for a smooth taste. It reminds me of the preaching class in seminary. The, the one guy said, just land the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was thinking like it, like the the Natty Ice uh, description online talked about stories, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, oh, like right. we ended up talking about talk about stories a narrative. lot tonight. So yeah. yeah, we started our story tonight. I, I think um, you know maybe See? in a kismet sort of way. Yeah, we were meant to drink Natty See? Ice tonight. Now you've done both Greek and Hebrew in one night. Yep. Thank you for that. You're welcome. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Biblical scholars everywhere are applauding. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that's it for us for tonight. From the uh, deepest parts of our beings, we thank you for being a part of our universe here at the Music of the Spheres podcast. Have a great week.
this, this golden colored planet hmm. and how that is the 